So he's kind of like Prince in that regard, that there's the divine and the uh, the, the the human at, yeah. at war in Sam Cooke in a, in a really interesting way. Anyway, what are we talking about? Sorry. Um, speaking of murder. Murder. Murder, <laughs> murder most foul. It is March Madness at the VD Clinic once more. Oh, we got a crazy one this time out. Yep. No basketty crazy balls. Pants. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> cat even agrees. Is <laughs> already saying, "Be prepared." <laughs> well, Sam Shore, she can just go ahead and break her shell. <laughs> Sorry, that's fine. <laughs> Eileen Warners. That's right. Yes, we are covering, it is March Madness yet again, and we are covering Aileen Warnos. Yes. Going a female serial killer path this time. Yep. Serial killer, drifter killer. Yeah, because most uh, female serial killers, as, (laughs) as, as we know... Are, are tend to be like poisoners. They're kind of black widows. They're yeah. like a lot of female serial killers are the kind that or you know, familial, familial. Like they're killing husbands and kids yes. and relatives, mm-hmm. and and occasionally you get those. They're just like you know, if we just marry dudes and murder them, we can <laughs> pocket some cash. So you get some of that. The uh, nurses oh, or whoa, whatever they're called. Of death. Yeah. Bo, there's. Are you not aware of the series Deadly Women? I love that series for I investigated them Discovery. in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's a great Van Halen album, too. Deadly <laughs> Women. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Vanessa. <laughs> the series? Okay. Where is the series? Investigation Discovery. I don't think it's on anymore, but I know you can find it on Hulu. Yes, I. And I. Okay. I don't know what this says about me and what this says about me and my ex, but (sighs) my ex and I used to sit like our big Friday night thing to do would be to eat dinner and then sit there and have popcorn, whatever, while we watch deadly women. (laughs) That sounds so good. Did you take turns cooking for each other and then specifically watching the ones about poisoning? Right. Oh no. <laughs> no, we ordered in. <laughs> There's a lot of feeding to the pets. Like yeah. mm, no, no, no. I'm really glad that you made Tostitos. Uh come, come here, whiskers. Have a bite. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, that sounds I great. I've 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 never I've never I'm... been in a relationship where <laughs> we did that. There I've I've been in relationships where we talked about doing that and then we right. never did. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> and it was a lie yeah i don't know i just i've always been i know i've mentioned before in when we did you know our march madness last year when we were doing our Dahmer stuff you know i talked about my true crime obsession but yeah this whole other like i said the whole deadly women thing like you don't have as many female serial killers Right. And women statistically do not kill as much as men. 
Right. They don't kill nearly as much as men. They they tend not to be mass killers and serial killers. Right. It tends to be it like be a one off more crime of passion than anything else. Yeah, most of it is I'm sick of you fucking punching me around the room <laughs> and now I'm going to kill you. Yes. And there's a lot of that. Yes. Um <laughs> a lot of as uh, Dana Gould once said, a lot of murder suicides turn into murders feel a whole lot betters. Um, <laughs> So. Yes. Oh, and so to mention the movie and the book that we are covering, I realized we had not done that yet. Oh, sorry. We said we the are, person. We got yes, that we out. Covering, like I said, Alien War knows, but with the 2003 movie, um, Patty Jenkins directed film, uh, Monster, and then the book, Monster, My True Story by Eileen Warnos and Christopher Barry... I, lost the guy's last name right now i'm sorry a co-writer journalist i will pull that British up guy. <laughs> i will pull that up before we get to that discussing the book i'm sorry i'm not prepared i i, I listened to this on audible because i'm a stupid person and can't yeah. take in words mm-hmm. um i know it's just i you know i have a commute these days and it's just the best time to listen to an audiobook I, I get it. That's why I, I listen to podcasts on my commute on the subway. Yeah. Yeah. So I so I listened to the audiobook and the the audiobook for Monster is this very prim British guy that sounds a little bit like a British Mo Rocca. Okay. And and hearing him saying like and then she said she claimed that the man jammed something in her asshole. <laughs> and said Go on, slut. I'm sure you like it like that. And you're like, I this I can't listen to this after sunset. This is too weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, we have if the same audiobooks. It, I think if you read it, if you read it, it is written by someone who is speaking the Queen's English. Very because much so. the spellings are such. Well, you yeah, know, three no, D. Thank you. That's what I thought it was, and then I started doubting myself. I'm sorry. Let's say it again. Okay. Christopher Barry D. Barry Dash D. Barry D. Barry D. Yes. Williams. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Who me? You, yes. How's your oh. Saying? Right. Uh, yeah, no, I I was just saying that uh, I, I you know after listening to the the audio book and and mm-hmm. so forth, I feel I'm glad we're doing the show because this is definitely one of those purging moments for me where I can just not think about Eileen Warnos again for you know the next hopefully six months or so because <laughs> the more you you know about her, the dirtier you feel. It is just oh, like no it is doubt. just the grimiest story that ever there was like not since carl fucking pansrum has someone just been so just yeah Yeah. it's pretty it's pretty bad i mean it's for anyone who doesn't know about her the fact of here she was came out of uh troy michigan and basically her mother just basically kind of abandoned her gave her away at four gave her away at four to her parents who right who told 
Eileen when she was a child that they were her parents. Correct. Correct. Because her mother was got pregnant at like 16. So there was a very close in age, you know? Like Jack yes. Nicholson's thing, right? Right. Exact, exactly. And anyway, and so I, Eileen's father was behind bars convicted of some sort of like it's like aggravated rape or something of a child yeah sexual abuse something like that yeah it wasn't just sexual abuse it you know i think it was a seven-year-old too yeah exactly it's right like from jump this story is awful come from that you okay you don't have a lot of a chance to begin with i'm sorry yeah that grandpa also questionable things about him Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's and it's not a, a good financial situation either, which complicates things. It, and I'm not saying wealthy families don't have problems and they have plenty of their own fucking secrets. But wealth can, unfortunate fact is in this country, you can buy a certain stability out of and exit certain situations, maybe at certain points with it but she didn't like her family they were even didn't have the money to give her like she was already being teased as a kid in school and bullied because she was like the poor kid yeah do you know what i mean like she already was she had like those added like class issues there and with that and then so then by the time she was 11 she was trading sex for cigarettes and whatever else okay you know <laughs> and yeah. she got pregnant at 14 and right get got sent away kicked out right like that's the point out. where she got kicked out of the house got sent to a facility to go have the baby off in secret the and then just kind of yeah and then just kind of hit the streets from there, right? Like that was yeah. where she started taking off to Florida. And keep in mind, she was she was born Sorry. in fifty. Quite all right. She was born in fifty six. So still, she was on that tail end of that kind of, I, I guess, that uptight, you know, sexual mentality too. You know, as far as like. And the kind of things that you talked about in the house and that you didn't talk about and stuff like that, you know, it sure you still have that to a certain degree now, but it was the fifties definitely being born then and then going into and growing up in the, uh, into the sixties, like she did, you know, definitely. Well, and I didn't help the situation. I mean, she, you know, it, Right, she was exhibiting warning signs. Like yeah. there, are, there are records of school officials telling her, you know, grandparents, adopted parents, essentially, right, uh, saying like, "Hey, you need to get her some help because she's a little, you know, kooky in the dome." I think well, was the, the 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 diagnosis. <laughs> really kooky in the dome. Uh huh. That that was the the phrase in the membrane <laughs> after uh, hysteria. Um, yeah, uh, they were like kids insane, got no brain. Is what it says here <laughs> right, on the doctor's exactly. notes. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she was she was a troubled teenager. She had a, a she horrible already, home life, and she already was exhibiting too the violent like 
the way she would like act out. She had a violent, you know, temper. Yeah. With already from the beginning. Right. So, like it, it, this really is a nature nurture kind of thing yeah. where she was probably genetically predisposed to some not great behavior. Absolutely. And she may have been mentally ill chemically. It would yes. not surprise me. Right. Like, you know, they, but they, uh, what was it? Borderline definitely... is what they kind of yes. posthumously diagnosed her with. Right. Well, no, even when she was still alive, they had diagnosed her as borderline. Um, but they didn't, they weren't really treating her for it. That was, they were starting to diagnose her, but then they, yeah, they just, just kind of didn't some care to take care of it. cigarettes and drink. You'll be all right. Yeah. Well, I mean. Rub some dirt on it. Prison industrial complex. However, the largest mental health care provider in the United States is, dun 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 Rikers Island. Wow. Yeah. So what does that say about our country? Anyway, <laughs> that soapbox I'm not going to get on right now, but. Oh, it's okay. You're yeah. amongst friends. So, yeah, she just, so here she was potentially actually legitimately chemically naturally disposed to all this. And then the nurture situation, she's a ticking time bomb for sure. something to happen. Because you're right, whatever, after she had the baby, and then I came back. I think she tried to come back, and she her grandparents wouldn't let her come back. And she was basically living in the woods out behind their house or near the school or something. Yeah. And she tried to continue going to school and stopped. You know, she'd never completed high school. Right, when, when they got busted for smoking pot in the gym or whatever. Was that, yeah. Is that how that went? Probably. <clears throat> so. At least that's then, what, that's how she said it. Yeah. Right. And and that's another problem with all of this is that Eileen Warnos herself is the most unreliable narrator on the face of the planet. Thank yeah. you. So get, a lot of the earlier stuff is uh validated from her brother and other people like that and then sorry. I think you're going to get to the point that I just jumped on top of your words for saying. So No. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the later on stuff is hard to know what's going on. Like we were talking well, about it, the, the, yeah. what's his name? Uh, Richard Mallory. Yeah. The was... first murder, the, the, the trigger that, that well, set her off. Well, let's, okay. Before we get into the meat of everything, let's go ahead and take a break and then we will come back and I guess we can continue discussing the do we want to continue discussing the case and then discuss the movie or we'll figure it out during the break. We'll be okay. back. <laughs> this will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting. But that comes at a cost. Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, 
costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. And now, another episode of Quarantine Theater. Two whiskeys, two beers. Two whiskeys, two beers for the lady. I'm E.G. You come here much? Lee. Lee. Tom. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. This this here's my only friend, Tom. Hey, we got a fire outside. A a royal conversation pit. Oh, come on. Okay, you're going over the fence. What? Yeah, you are. I'm going to drive around and you're going to go over the fence. No. Tom, I got to stay here by the phone from a girl. Because I got to call her. She left. Tom. She's broken up, but she's going to come back, okay? Lee, well. You got a fucking wife. And you tell me to come with you? What the fuck are you doing, man? Oh, I... Not not you, Tom. Not fucking you. Fuck, man. You got some fucking change or something? You looking for change? Yeah. I gotta call my fucking girl. No, that that's cool. I got some change. It's out in the car if you want. You want to come with me? Just just follow me. Follow me out. My car is right over there on the right. Where? Yeah, right over there. You see it? The Camaro. Got plenty of change after hitting Orlando tonight. So, a uh, couple quarters or... I, I just needed a dime or, or, or something. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, man. What the fuck are you doing? Take it easy, lady. No, 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 shit, man. Fucking call my girl. Blah, that was quarantine theater. Blah. (laughs) Yeah. That was a southern as I I tried to channel every drunk southern girl I have ever seen in a bar. I thought it was very good. I was on board the whole way. Yep. Oh, I have been to the Florabama. (laughs) Do you know what the the, Do you know what the Florabama is? The state line, you mean? It is a bar that hurdles the Alabama Florida uh, line. Yeah, and on the 
Florida side of the bars where you can buy your lottery tickets, but you can't buy them in Alabama because gambling is illegal there because of Jesus and shit. (laughs) (laughs) But the Florabama is like the original trashy redneck Riviera beach shore parties. Yeah. (laughs) Redneck Riviera is such a great term. I love it so much. They call themselves that. They're proud to carry that title down there i uh, just yeah wow it's scary shit (laughs) yeah yeah you know i mean but that's true like you go outside any major city you will find pockets of just weird wicker man shit going on (laughs) no you were right yeah i'm I'm telling you i think i i don't remember if it was on this show or not but seriously (laughs) driving through the south with my band we would just be driving down a road and this happened at least once. I remember this very clearly because I was had to be sober. There was just a log or like a dead tree across the road, but it felt like the trees were too far away for it to have happened naturally. Uh-huh. And you, there was it was probably a trailer park, but at night it just looked like flickering candles and shanty windows. And you felt like you heard people talking we kind of d- drove through the the grass instead of getting out to move the log um, that's uh that's eerie yeah. <laughs> oh i mean like i have driven accidentally into revivals and before <laughs> you take the wrong turn down a road and i'm talking on the outskirts of like in suburbia, not that far from like subdivisions and big houses and stuff. Um, these revivals with big tents and snake handlers and stuff. And oh, wow, some of those up near like Birmingham and Alabama. Yeah, sure. <laughs> there's a great big um billboard, a wooden billboard that I think it's in connection with this one Baptist church that's been around for, I don't know how many, probably a hundred years at this point, but it's down there. And if you're coming up I-65, you see it and it says, and it's got a little water, a working waterfall. It's all made out of wood. It's It's, it's very like interesting, like craft kind of work and everything. This is a sign. It, it's a sign. Okay. It's hysterical. It's got Satan. <laughs> with a pitchfork and it says if you don't go to church the devil's gonna get you <laughs> i mean straight to the point i like yeah, it i love it and it's and it's got a great little you know beelzebub on it so yeah but it's that kind of area and yeah, some I... of those places and i love though that you refer to it as you know the wicker man shit because <laughs> some of it you're like yeah that's a step away from <laughs> yeah, no, I Where's there was the sacrifice? A, there was a, a mudslide recently. Right. Uh on the interstate where I live. And so when I go to work now, I have to go uh, through an alternate route which takes me through a, a city called Ashland City. Mm-hmm. Which is just a capital of meth and teen pregnancy. <laughs> That's their major export yes. as a community. I understand. And but on the way between my little town and that little town, uh, I had to stop at one of those 
uh, on the way at gas stations. And it was truly like a pump. There was pump one and pump two, and there were two sides of the same shit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and but I needed gas, so I stopped in there. And it's the kind of place that, like, they make their own biscuits and shit in the morning. And there's yeah. two guys that are, I don't know, 280 between them. Yeah. And uh, playing checkers at 645 <laughs> in the morning. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I know those people. I have yeah. encountered those people. And you're just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on in here. I just need to. This wouldn't accept my card out there. And they're like, oh, yeah, it don't at the pump. And it's like, <laughs> OK. It hadn't worked for five years. We got the machine that goes shunk, shunk, though. <laughs> That's the mark of the beast. You don't know that? <laughs> I've been telling Martha we need to fix that. They can I'm track sorry. you through it's that not, card. It's not everybody like that. However, I did have a job doing touring children's musical theater for a summer. And I had to draw. I was cast and tech crew and also teaching like theater workshops to children. All this stuff. Plus, dry, we were all driving a little van around with our sets and everything. So I was all over the Southeast. So <laughs> there were some very interesting places I went to in, which is why all of this with, I, I to bring it back to our point, to Aileen Warnos, <laughs> we had a point, but in that, in Florida and just the panhandle and how it, it's very different than like the peninsula of Florida you know, and it's it's different than other parts of the South, too. But yet it's still the South. I don't know. It's kind of. But you're right. It has like the teen pregnancy and meth and little things like that thrown in bath salts, whatever. You yeah, know, the fun stuff. Serial killers. I mean, Ted Bundy was here, too. I mean, sure. Ted Bundy yeah. did some of his finest work in Florida. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Marco yeah. Rubio's there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Scott, uh, not Scott Walker, Rick Scott. Rick Scott. Was a legendary lizard that hailed from there. Jeb Bush. <laughs> Jeb, please clap Bush. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Jeb. So, goddamn so, Jeb Bush for having so little charisma <laughs> that right? he could not overcome the hurdle of, like, Fuck, another bush? What's this one like? Oh, like dry white toast. Okay. What about what about the guy that was on TV? He seems funny. He's anyway. a champion of the working man, like Eileen Wernos. <laughs> yeah, so in many ways... Working woman. I mean, oh, my God. This woman, though... This woman... It's... When she, she says in here, I'm hardworking, she's fucking working her ass off. <laughs> She, all right, so in the book, she, she claims she claims but. to have slept with uh, 250,000 men, which they rightly point out in the book is mathematically impossible. Right. Uh, it's like 30-something so, a day, right? Yeah, over like 40 years or something crazy. It's right. So it's, it's impossible that that's the number, but she had been a, had an interstate that... truck stop hooker for some time. Before the killing began. And she had been, you know, had been doing sex work of some kind or another, trading sex since she was 11. 
for something. Yes. Like in some capacity, you know, it may not have been her full-time job, but she was already trading it for goods and services. Yeah. And there's a lot of description of her, uh, you know, before life caught up with her of like, no, she was genuinely a very pretty girl, but you just don't stay pretty for long when you live the way she does. No, I mean, no, I mean, she was homeless for most of her life. Right. She, she, well, she, so she goes to jail for a while for armed robbery and for about a year and then gets out. And that's where she, she takes to the highways and byways of Florida. Mm -hmm. And then it's uh, where the movie steps in. Well, no, but even what is left out of the movie is that she ends up meeting that guy and gets married to him. Oh, right, right. Oh, the that old digging. rich guy. Yeah. That old rich guy. She somehow meets him. I forget. Sorry. Because they don't even really go into it in the book either. I just know from other things I have read and seen and everything. She met it somewhere along the way because she came down from Michigan to Florida. And it was some yacht club guy. I don't know if it was yeah, at a yacht club she, party. And or... she met him in Florida. Right. Exactly. And they got married, and yeah. She sent her friends the announcement in the society page in the paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he was like, holy fuck. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it didn't, like, last long and everything. And, I mean, basically, it was like the... Um, it was something like the family like basically ended up putting a restraining order against her because they recognized that she was, you know, in it for the money and they didn't want her. They didn't know if she'd be a a physical threat or whatever to their father and, you know, that kind of thing. And so that was part of how that ended, but that's it. That's when she then ended up, I think with the armed robbery thing. So she was married before the armed robbery. Yeah. And they don't go into much of any of that. Yeah. Before the, before the, the, as far as um, where the movie starts. Right. So yeah, they, they don't touch on any of that shit really. Mm -hmm. Uh, It kind of starts with her. uh, The movie does with uh, Charlize Theron, notable, pretty lady. Charlie's there and uh, l- looking uh, a little a little rough, little road hard uh, for her Oscar winning performance, which for most of the movie, I'm like, eh, did she really deserve an Oscar for this? And then there's one scene where I'm like, she's really good in that scene. Yeah. Um, do, do you have the I don't know if it's on like, do you have did you see this on streaming? I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. OK. The the Blu-ray that I have it on has um, like deleted scenes and like making of and that kind of stuff and everything. And in one of the, like the makings of like, there's this scene, one of the scenes where she's sitting on the couch talking about killing whatever guy to the Christina Ricci Selby character. And just, and they do, and they film like, like they, replay like the multiple takes of going through that scene 
and to see the differences in how Charlize Theron played that because there were sometimes she played it much more vulnerably than other times. I mean, it, and I have to say it was very nuanced. I mean, it, that would, I mean, when you saw like that, something like that broken down, you were like, Oh my God. I mean, it was very impressive, but uh, you're right at first glance, like when you look at this, it, it does seem like one of those occasions where, okay, Oscar gave the Oscars gave it to you because you made yourself look ugly. Um, I'm looking at you, Nicole Kisman, and the hours, but okay. <clears throat> anyway, that prosthetic nose isn't fooling anyone. Uh, it's not very good. That's Is that not the Virginia best... Woolf, the hours, uh-huh. or the other? Okay. It's Virginia Woolf, and, and I'm sorry that she can be a good actress, but that was not her best work. Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that, that movie, speaking of overrated. But, uh, yes, yes. But anyway. But, but I... yes, Charlize Theron, yes. But my point is that you do start looking at it, and I mean, I had seen the movie before multiple times, but I watched it twice, you know, before this, uh, before this show, and there were there were some different nuances that I noticed more than I had before, um, but not just with Charlize Theron, even with uh, Christina Ricci. I mean, there's a there's more going on with the performances, I think, than at first service, you know, serve, you know, at first glance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because um, I don't know. We'll we, we'll get into it. Okay, Sorry. I mean, I do. I I think I, that the the bus scene or the bus station scene mm-hmm. is legitimately fantastic. Like, even yes. if they just gave the Oscar for that, yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. That was that was a phenomenal scene. Right. Right. And she saw like I think from that point on, like I, maybe it's just because she is doing more. Right. Uh the the scenes after the police close in mm-hmm. are are begin to close in. I think that's where Theron kind of does her best work with the character. Yeah. Um yeah. because it the, like all the interesting little nuances of their relationship are sort of playing under the surface of everything. And I, anyway, uh, uh, but yeah, she won an Oscar for it. And I don't think undeservedly it's not, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not bad mouthing her or, or nothing. Um, but yeah, so it starts with her like under the bridge uh, or under a bridge, uh, under an interstate bridge with a gun in hand. And then uh, she's narrating. And I do have a, like this pet theory that mm-hmm. the movie is so sympathetic to her because she is telling the story. And right. that, and and that, my problems with it, I can kind of explain away a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so it's her going to a bar. Well, well, and 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 I'll tell you that actually makes sense because in seeing an interview with Patty Jenkins, the director, she said that part of the reason why the the Christina Ricci, the character is in here is Selby. Now, uh, Aileen Warner's his real girlfriend at the time and who ratted her out and everything. We will get into that. Um, spoiler. But if you look at a picture of the real, it's Tyria Moore. Okay. That's who, who it actually is. It's, I mean, it's her name. 
she looks <laughs> she was a sturdy woman right i was gonna say a little rough okay um you know because compared to christina ricci christina ricci has nice dental work for one Right. Um, Wait, the, the most unrealistic thing in this film right. is that Christina Ricci is sitting alone at that gay bar. Yeah. <laughs> you are out Hello. of your goddamn mind. Hello. Well, anyway, so, but Patty Jenkins makes the point of saying that why they cast her is that if this is coming from Lee's point of view, she sees Tyria slash Selby as so beautiful and so gorgeous regardless and, of how the outside world sees her and timid by comparison and granted what you know and but personal personality wise though the real Tyria was actually very naive and very timid and everything so the personality was much closer but the 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 beauty, the physical beauty, was not, you know. They totally acknowledge that, but it it's kind of again explained away in the fact of there's a certain amount of this that is coming from how Eileen or Lee just sees the world. Yeah, like I, yeah. I'd really like to be hanging out in a storage unit, and Bruce Dern comes up and makes friends with me. I always forget that Bruce Dern in in uh, Scott Wilson, both of them are in this. And like, Kane Hodder, always, it's yeah. so random. Right, right. <laughs> I always forget. I always just you know. I always just kind of forget that it's like you're right. Oh, there pops up Bruce Dern. I'm like, okay. And Lee Turgeson. I I don't think I really knew who he was when I first saw this. Well, no, I don't think I put it together. But I had seen Oz. By the time this came out. Yeah. Yeah. And can I say, Bo, I love the fact that you were like, we were talking about doing a scene for the, this episode. You were like, I want to channel my inner Bruce Dern. Sure. No, I'd give, I'd give her a sandwich. Sure. <laughs> Ham's just not doing it for you. All right. Yeah. 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 I know. I get hey, it. You wanna, I get it. You want a beer too? I mean, you're, we're out here. You're, you're working it. He's 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 one of my favorite. He's perhaps my favorite character in this movie. To tell you the truth, he's kind of great because he's he he is so sympathetic to her, but also shocked by her ultimately. And he knows what he knows what she is, and he'll call her on bullshit, but he'll let her get away with a certain amount. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Bruce Dern is just. He's just one of those actors when he turns up in something, it automatic automatically makes it a better film or, or television show or whatever. Well, it definitely yeah. helps a lot. I, I will say that. Uh, you know, like, have you guys seen Nebraska? I haven't, but I, I just watched uh, The Misses is on a Turner Classic Movies kick. Uh-huh. And we just watched uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte the other day. Yeah, I'll I'll oh. tell you. Did you let Danzig watch that one too? Yeah, I told you you did. What is <laughs> is he calling that one anything? Because 
they let him watch um, whatever happened to Baby Jane recently, and he calls that uh, was it sending a letter Let- to Daddy or sending something. a letter to Daddy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I love. Uh, I think he Sorry. just says like Charlotte, be quiet, or or he just says hush, Charlotte. Um, he talks Charlotte about Baby Jane more often than hey, yeah. It is a superior film ultimately, but that's yeah. beside the sure. point. Yeah, but no, that's that's absolutely correct. It's interesting to see, you know, a little version of yourself prying his mom's fingers away from watching someone's getting someone's hand getting hacked with a cleaver or you know, <laughs> something like that. Screw yeah, you, you know, children's services. <laughs> what? It's rewarding, you know, to, to see the moment that your child is like, oh, that's a thing he'll never forget. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looks like he didn't appreciate that at all. yeah he's he seemed i i think he and i are going to probably watch more horror movies together than amanda and i and and that's fine yeah yeah i mean that's kind of fun if he's into it then holy shit why not you know what what a great partner for that i mean i'm just like like that's the thing you flash forward 20 years where it's like Oh yeah, wouldn't it be fun if like he's home for Christmas from college or some shit, and it's like, oh, we just watched Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, just our thing, just like watching horror movies together. Hey, Dad, do you still have that uh, soundtrack to Return of the Living Dead that we used to listen to? Yeah, (laughs) that shit. Yes, Uh, son, I've got it right here on vinyl. So the (laughs) the real downside of the cat, I'm never gonna have that relationship. But cats bring you dead animals and um, yes, teach you conditional love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the greatest things I ever learned uh, was the 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 scientifically proven fact that cats really do understand direction a lot more than they imply. Mm-hmm. They just choose not to follow direction. Yeah, that's fucking great, man. <laughs> Uh, that cats truly like scientifically proven that cats are the fuck you pet uh and i i and that's why it's fun when one you know warms up to you it's like yeah this is you have to work for this a little bit this ain't god bless them this ain't a dog dogs will fucking roll over for you in a heartbeat cat's gonna show you its ass a couple of times before it even gives you the honor of scratching its ears (laughs) Sorry, I, I've still like I've only had my new one Tully for about a year, and I'm still fascinated by him. He's so still the honeymoon. Yeah, he's so different because I've never had a male cat before, and he's so big and stupid, and it's I love it. And he's still so young. Yeah, he's only a year he's, old. So he's, he's partly young and stupid. Yeah, and he's like, he's super hyper and is is just. The, the clumsiest oaf of a cat it's the best so yeah not to get off on a cat tangent eileen warnus everyone uh she... notable <laughs> dirt you had to let her warm up to you before you could scratch her ears that's true yeah so so in this movie like super hot christina ricci is uh not made ugly but definitely made 
dowdy. She's got glasses like, and a ponytail and paint on her overalls. Right. It's like, yeah, they cut her. <laughs> they quite, give her but... kind of a bad short haircut. But well, it's still like, good lord, she is such a moon faced cutie. Yes, and in all fairness, okay, that opening scene. I mean, like where the where they meet and that that's supposed to be the gay bar that they meet in. The Zodiac. The Zodiac, and it carries through the other, whatever the gay stuff later on. But they nailed, like gay bars <laughs> down south of that era <laughs> just oh like dark and it's, full of beer and they nailed the look <laughs> of lesbians in those bars and although my dating prospects did not look quite that nice <laughs> most of them and yes <laughs> yeah they have some quite interesting uh they're not all pretty people that they put in here. I will say I'll give them that, but they're still too pretty for real life. Yeah, I was going to ask, particularly the uh, like that carnival scene felt a bit more authentic. Yeah. The haircuts were like in the style of the clothes. Totally was that. Sure. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Which, yeah, that may have been also why I was single so much because I was like, yeah, I just... I'm not on board with this. <laughs> I can't get on board with this fashion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant you were, you were just, well, that's almost more vain. I was going to say you were vain about it or, you know, it, no, but it's particular a, it, one might say it, it's, it's more than just fashion as in clothes. It's the, it, the type of lesbian. <laughs> it, there's a bit of and the and the lumberjack to it. Yeah, and the politics to that. Uh, yes, that exists in the LGBTQ community. It's right. I don't know. I think I may have brought up before that I'm like not someone who's like I just I'm not down with like. Why are you so hung up that it has to be butch femme? Like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand why people insist that that must be, that I must conform to that. Yeah, you be you. Fuck, <laughs> fuck the haters, yeah. right? And, and, well, and just be, like the other day, someone I know said, like, because I, and this was a trans woman, who said to me the other day, because I got my hair cut, like, short, like, to my chin, like a bob, that it was butch. And I'm like, actually, it's not. <laughs> it's just a little shorter. <laughs> like, it was just, but it was this perception of, no, just because your hair is now becoming shorter, that it's automatically butch. And I'm like, why is this falling into this category? You can be feminine and have short hair, like... I don't know. It's yeah. a bigger, crazier conversation that I don't know why I'm going down this road. But my point that I was making is that the I I was on board with believing that this was a real like it brought me back to uh, that era <laughs> as a young lesbian. <laughs> Hats over puffy bangs and uh... yeah, because even though I was coming out like I guess a little bit after this. When these things were happening, 
because this all started they met like in the late 80s yeah um it still it was the same style for a while <laughs> that stayed around for at least about probably 10 years <laughs> <laughs> like into the mid 90s <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it took a while for the denim tide to recede. And... It was probably still even going after. It was probably still going after that, and I just didn't realize because I moved away. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. So Eileen Warnos and Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. We've we've gotten that far. <laughs> All right. So we are so derailed. <laughs> So they they meet and at first uh, Eileen or Lee as she is is more commonly known um, is a little uh, put off you know a little standoffish um, about being hit on uh, or perceived to be hit on and then Christina Ricci makes nice with her and offers to buy her beer more importantly mm-hmm. and and <laughs> so. They get drunk together and they end up going back to Christina Ricci's place, which is like this attached garage or whatever with her her parents and uh, like um, family, like aunt and uncle or family parents, friends, friends? Or something. Was it a they're footloose not, they're sort not of situation. <clears throat> they reported live, to her parents, though, right? I think her parents live up, up in, in Ohio. Where I couldn't find out, I didn't search really, really hard, but I was trying to find out where in Ohio she was, her parents lived. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of that sort of stuff surrounding the peppered cities in Ohio. So, yeah, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and then Ohio has his own set of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah. a girl from a girl from Ohio and a girl from Michigan found a twisted love, like you would imagine. Down in, if, if down you in were, Florida, if you knew the football fans and round these parts, surprised like <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, except, <laughs> well, in in this movie, it is much more like that. Uh, the reality, I, I would argue, is far different. But um, so yeah, they, so they. Uh, don't really make out or anything. It's pretty, pretty tame. And more importantly for Eileen as a character in the film, it's the first time that someone doesn't seem to be demanding something of her that doesn't seem to be uh, like the way that Christina Ricci plays. This is that she finds the idea of Eileen being, um, you know, a prostitute as she finds out later sort of, oddly romantic that it seems rebellious in her eyes and that you know it's weirdly progressive or something you know and the way she puts it it's like yeah i mean you know that must make you feel pretty because that it's people paying to be with you as opposed to the reality of what that life is which can be really ugly at times oh sure I mean, it's, you know, I, like, I think that the, the kind of work that somebody that Eileen Warnos was doing and, yeah. and say particularly someone who is that economical and geographic level of a in the class structure of sex workers, I'm saying. <laughs> right. I mean, like, these are the, you know, the, the, the murders that go unreported and shit. 
Right. These serial killers, these male serial killers that are going around the country chalking up hundreds of numbers of women they have killed. It is women like Lee Warnos who are walking the highways and the, you know, the, and in between truck stops. Right. Kind of thing. High risk is how they often describe it. And yes, exactly. um, so this is a, like, it's a far cry from what you would, like when you think of, you know, unionized sex workers and that kind of shit, yeah. that is a far cry from the life that Eileen Warnos is living, where she is given handjobs and blowjobs in cars between exits. You know, it's yeah. just the fucking worst. Um, one presumes. Right. Um, I, I, my MP my empathy for that is it it can be difficult to conjure but it's never positive like none of that 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 game you play with yourself of like what would that life be like what would it like to be like to walk a mile in those shoes and none of it is good like i totally mm-hmm. understand all the drinking she did yes because how on earth do you as a human being allow yourself to to be used by just such terrible people over and over again. It's like the worst fucking customer service retail job in the world. It where where the clientele <laughs> is all dirt bags. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Except for uh you don't get you're not getting that many customers who want to just sit there and talk. Right. Yeah, or you're not even get, you're not that you know, you're not that kind of, you know, in that kind of position. You don't have the luxury of that time or that sometimes that safety of a place right. where you can sit indoors and you don't necessarily have the money or, you know, or location to go get a hotel room, you know, and do whatever. You're there some in sometimes in a truck or wherever bathroom whatever quick i mean like it's yeah you're right you're right high risk yeah and i mean if she weren't a killer she she very well could have been a victim exactly because because of that lifestyle so but anyway so the the relationship between her and and selby or, or uh uh tyra in the book that they are like Eileen believes that this is the one person she can love. And, and in the film, because it's a bit more romanticized, it seems legitimate that she truly has found someone that uh, she can, you know, open her heart to and is, uh, is going to be good to her in a way that no one has ever been. And, and even the way that, you know, it's narrated in the film, she uh, it's, it's Charlie's there and saying, um, you know, I, I never had been with a woman before, which, of course, she had been. There was the woman named Tony. Yeah, she uh, had had at least one longer-term relationship with a woman. Right. Was that so, the steam-cleaning thing? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, the one who, that was the one who ripped her off. Yeah, in the movie, this movie, they say, oh, I had, my boyfriend ripped me off, blah, blah, blah. It, no, it was actually a girlfriend yeah. <laughs> ripped her off. <laughs> And so, yeah, so she'd had a lesbian uh, affairs before, relationships before, and 
Um, but in the film, this is sort of the first time and she, in the narration, she says, you know, men had always let me down. So I figured why the hell not? And, you know, maybe this is somebody I could trust, even though it's not, it's a very weird kind of ambiguous explanation for suddenly yeah, being by or whatever. It, it's I, I know, but I, I agree. Anyway, so you're, she is. You're not hearing a complaint from me on that because I agree totally. Because I'm like, no. Even someone who, I I don't know, who's realizing the feelings for the first time or something, and doesn't maybe not necessarily know a specific, you know, academic whatever language for it. Um, yeah, they still wouldn't talk that way you know it it just doesn't that part of it didn't seem like authentic that's all sure sure and And even if they were going to try to make this into her one and only true love and her one and only female partner that she's ever had which i don't know why that they needed to but okay sure if they wanted to to make this a much more again it is a much more romanticized version of what because it you're right i think it does go back to it's lee narrating it's 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 that's why it actually sounds sane so which i mean (laughs) listen to an interview with i aileen warnos that woman i mean there are times where yes she sounds composed and sane there are other times plenty of other times where she is all speaking all kinds of nonsense mm-hmm. a whole range of emotions which is partly why i say i i really do think that it, she needed some sort of mental health care perhaps even medication but I, you know, I don't think it would have hurt, and I don't think it was ever really. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't have hurt. I don't think it was ever addressed. Even no. that's what I'm saying, though. Even, even like, even some medication with her, not just the talk therapy. I think she would have at least needed some medication too. Yeah, no, you. I think just, she needed both. You take a fistful of lithium. Oh my god! And you throw it at her mouth like one of those old Mr. Mouth games and whatever goes in is the proper dosage until she stops talking like a crazy person. Uh, because even at the time, like she did start off lying to, to uh, Tyra like or Selby. Tyria. Uh, in, in the, or Tyria, I'm sorry. In, the, uh, in both real life and yeah. in the film where right. she starts talking about this steam cleaner business that she's mm-hmm. got. And so she's full of shit as a, a human being. And and again, we, we've discussed her roots. It's understandable why she became the person she became. Right. But that does not excuse what a fucking shitty person she was by this point. And uh, even well, though she, I, I think she did well, okay. that. Let's, let, let's get to that. When where do you think there was do you think there was a turning point for her i mean obviously she had been stealing for years but and that's one thing but as far as with the murder aspect no i do think there was an inciting incident here and i think that the fact that richard mallory 
um, her first victim was uh, was known to be a bit of a deviant. Uh, not deviant, man. That's probably the wrong word for it. He was yes. a bit of an adventurer sexually, but was also he was not, not, convicted. He, he was violently, so. <laughs> like no, he was convicted. <laughs> Yeah, so he was he was a violent sexual criminal yeah. and, and had Eileen Warnos in a car in the middle of nowhere. And nobody knows what really happened, and Warnos's account has changed herself. So right. it, there were some that, that is a much tamer accounting of events. Some of it is incredibly extreme. In the film, it's very dramatic, obviously. It is sort right. of, like, of course, the, this right. was the result. And... At, at any rate, she ends up killing Richard Mallory, presumably in, in self-defense. Like, legitimately, right. if there right. was ever going to be a legitimate case of Eileen Warnos having killed someone for a justifiable reason, mm -hmm. this was it. Yeah. Everything after this is, holy shit, she just got the taste for it. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, how I feel. But go, oh, that was so much easier. <laughs> Why right. didn't I think of that before? Well, and, and <laughs> like, no, I mean, I'm serious. I, I yeah. mean, I, I am, I am of the frame of mind that even though, yes, her story changed multiple times about what happened with him, and we will never know a hundred percent for sure. But it is not uncommon for victims of sexual assault for their stories to change you know they because of the way that it just depends on how someone deals with emotions yeah yeah okay. no i do i do think I, something happened in that car yes. and i and i absolutely feel that something happened and i feel that she had she felt threatened enough that she felt there was a self defense aspect i right. do feel that but, but then she got all this After shit that. out of the car. Like well, she got money and she got, uh, like took some shit and pawned it. I think from even the first one. Yeah. And, and she, that's, she, well, to me, that's the point where it became, this wasn't self-defense. She saw the, the, the material benefit of murder. And because she was a broken person, Mm-hmm that became a good enough reason to murder. Well, she was already a thief. Right. So, yes. And, and But this was also a way for her to justify it to herself because right. I think one thing that the movie gets right that, that Warnos, even in her fractured psyche, seems to assert over and over and over again is these were bad guys. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the self-defense argument was they were going to rape me, or at least they look like they had the capacity for it. Right. And, and as bad as the families feel about this, and I feel bad for them, but these were bad people. And, and I don't think that's always the case, mm -hmm. uh, but I do think it's the lens that she saw it through. And, but there was right. also the, because no, that, that allowed her to then justify taking their shit because it's like, no, 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 they were a bad guy. They were going to, not only did I kill them and rid the world of somebody bad, but this is ill-gotten gains because they were mm -hmm. a bad person, so I'm going to take their shit because right. they were terrible. 
and it right. doesn't matter. Like that's the moral justification. That's why when she keeps saying, "No, no, no, I'm a good person," over and over again, this is that mm-hmm. I think that's what she means. Is yeah. I was doing all of this for the right reasons. Yeah, that's my armchair psychology of Eileen Warno. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, so, yeah. So she, so she kills Richard Mallory, or you know, the first victim, and right. but, and she gets all this extra money. And this had been a problem because at at this point in the film, this is where Christina Ricci, cute moon faced Christina Ricci, uh, is, yes, even with her her bad late eighties, early nineties, a little baby dyke haircut. Yeah, it's ju- it's just the best. It's she, kind of cute though. Right. No, she looks like she is heavy eyeliner away from being in a Tim Burton film. <laughs> so, so she's saying like, I, you know, I, I'm gonna have to go back home because we don't have any money. We're living hand to mouth. You said you were gonna take care of me. You're not taking care of me. And and that's where the the Richard Mallory mur- murder happens when uh, Eileen is on her way to meet uh, Selby in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when she shows up, she shows up to apologize and she's been kind of fucked up because, you know, the, the victim in the film beats the shit out of her. And it's a really intense scene where she is being raped and sodomized and there's alcohol being poured on her open wounds. It's just the worst. Yeah. And, and that's why when she shoots the guy, you're like, fucking A, good for you for killing him. He was. Well, awful. yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so now she has this money and she's like, I'm, I'm now able to take care of you. And then the thrust of the film, uh, of, you know, the sort of second act of the movie is just her continuing to kill people for lesser and lesser reasons. Yeah. And that started in November of 89. Right. Just to put it in a time. Life yeah, December thirteenth, eighty nine. I'm looking at the Murderpedia. Uh, no, December thirteenth, no. eighty nine. Richard no, Mallory. November thirtieth. November third. They found the car on the thirtieth or the thirteenth. Right. Well, he he was found on the thirteenth. Is what this is. But he was killed on the thirtieth. Oh sure, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> That's just what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Again, this could be, you know, totally wrong when I'm looking at. So, um, but so, but but then it's not until June of the next year that the next body is found. So she takes, or she starts again at least. Right. It seems like the first murder was was sort of justified. Then the money starts to run out, and and she decides. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I, there's a, a better way to make money, even though in the film it, it's somebody else getting a little bit handsy with her. And, uh, there's, is it the, the dude about the kids? Is that the one, the second one in the movie where, uh, the guy's like, call me daddy. And she's like, what do you like fucking kids? And he gets a little, yeah. Yeah, like right. a little, a little weird on her. Yeah. And she takes that to be a threat. Yeah. And then ends up shooting him. And, um, but then again, you know, like, uh, takes all the shit. So I want to say, I want, (laughs) I want to talk about something that made me gig, that makes me giggle in this movie. That happens in between here. 
so she tries so she decides to stop hooking after the Mallory you know oh incident. right we've got the pretty woman scene. and she tries to go get a legit quote-unquote legit job corporate America whatever white collar thing and she's going on the job interviews and all this stuff and she doesn't know how to interview for one she doesn't understand about resumes and everything and such then <laughs> she's in that one and they're talking about and it's at a law office and he's like asking all these things and he's like leslie can you escort her out and she just starts like cursing back like fuck you man blah, blah, blah. and then she's like looks over and says fuck you leslie <laughs> fuck you <laughs> that is the best and just and leslie the uh, the the um the uh, uh secretary or whatever position there he said he he said she was it was um she just looks at her like what i didn't do anything <laughs> but it just says fuck you leslie <laughs> yeah and it just struck me as hysterical and and <laughs> Correct my memory on this, but she was actually ad libbing that scene. <laughs> oh, sure. In the making of, they did. They showed again multiple takes and of, and it was of this scene where she was just riffing off the top of her head in this interview scene, as if she were trying to sell herself as Ailey Warnos in a job interview. Like it was an improv class exercise almost. It was hysterical because you were sitting there and I'm like, how did everybody sit there and keep a straight face? Because some of it you're listening and you're like, that is the most ridiculous thing. Like, yes, of course she gets laughed out of the, the office. Like you come in here with no experience and you don't know how to, you know, interview and, you don't understand you need to dress a certain way and speak a certain way and blah, blah, you know, all this whatever bullshit, you know, <laughs> that comes with that kind of job, you know? Yeah, and I, I understand the point of all these scenes. Yeah. I, I, it feels a bit, I get what they're forced. trying to say. I get what they're trying to say, but right. I'm like, <laughs> did and, she really do something like like that i mean i can understand her maybe trying to get some sort of legitimate job like but i i just felt like no and also did we need that in the movie i i don't know like i understand like you know jenkins is of course trying to make the point here that the system failed her right at the point that she reached out that that the system turned its back on on her and and her problems and the fact Uh, again that she yes she didn't have a high school education mm-hmm. college education she didn't have you know all these different like a financial standing and all these different things and uh, you know a certain kind of job and whatever that she was con- yeah she was considered like all these th- strikes against her so, okay, where's my experience? What, you know, what industry do I have experience in? This, well, the service industry, but. <laughs> sure. Well, in, in the film, that's kind of what she tells right. uh, uh, Christina Ricci, cute moon-faced Christina Ricci, um, that, like, I'm a hooker. You know, that's that's what I am. That's what I've always been. Yeah. And And so she goes back to hooking, except she doesn't. That yeah. now she just goes back to killing. 
and yeah. and and so now that's the whole gig is she's showing up with other people's cars and she's like oh this is just a friend's car because we're moving to a better place so they get a better place and she's still coming home way late and real fucked up and looking haunted <laughs> and whatnot totally in the film um and I, I will say the 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 makeup job is is pretty great in this. Yeah. To get that skin tone looking like that, you're like, whoa, oh god. Yeah, and to her credit, yeah. like Charlie Theron really did. Like she put on some extra weight and yeah, and really leaned into it, and you know, so she did go through a physical transformation beyond just you know the makeup and whatnot. Yeah, right. Um, but she does look just she she looks like somebody who has spent far too long outside in, uh, you know, yeah. by an interstate. And, yeah. um, uh, and, and like I said, I, I think the back end of this movie, she is, is, is pretty incredible. Um, but, uh, so where did they go from there? It was, it, the, the, she's bringing home the cars all the time. And, and mm-hmm. the whole time Christina Ricci is, is playing all naive about shit. <laughs> yeah. And starts to give her some business about um, never going out and and needing to have some fun. And this is where Eileen finally just like loses her mind a bit and, and confesses about the first murder. And right. Uh, but then she and this is the game that the movie plays, uh, which is that. The murders continue. There is evidence that Eileen is murdering people left and right. And Selby in the film is sort of very intentionally looking the other way. Where, whereas I think in the book, it's much more ambiguous about how much she actually knew. Yeah. yeah. Well. That was my take on it, too. Right. But. Well, no, in real life, though, to be discussed later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a point that we are coming to. There's a point where we're coming to. I think maybe let's kind of close up talking about maybe more the movie first. And then we'll take a brief break and then we'll talk more about the book and then more about the actual case sure okay so um (laughs) i think that's maybe the way we have to kind of because there's so much going on that like crosses back and forth how many pages how many pages of notes did you do me yes you um half a small page oh okay Oh, oh well are you Some... kidding? It's Aileen Warnos. I got this shit filed away in my fucking head. <laughs> oh, so you just have like a note card that has a thousand bullet points on it? Like, yeah, oh, it's just God. a three by five that says... Oh, no, you, you no the story. only thing I scribbled down to tell you about was the fact about the authenticity about the lesbian, uh, the lesbian styles and the bar... <laughs> And how I forgot about Bruce Dern and uh, Scott Wilson were in this. So those are the only things I actually jotted down when I was watching that this time. Well, I, yeah. I, like, I have so much more to say that, I yeah, I just is in my head. Yeah. This is Alien Warnos dot, dot, dot. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and the... Let me just put it this way. Aren't we glad we're just doing 
monster and not the two Nick Broomfield documentaries. But we will talk about those momentarily. <laughs> so, right. Okay, so we're still on the film. We're talking about Monster, the film. Yeah, so the uh, um, Christina Ricci is is kind of stepping out with uh, her other lesbian friends, and she's like, hey, you need to, to Lee. She's like, you need to be so, stop being such a crazy person around yeah. them, and yeah. let's just be a couple. And so there's a, a bit more narration here where she's like, you know, the one thing that they didn't know about me was that I could adapt to anything. So I, you know, put my mind to it and, and they end up having kind of a good night out at, at this carnival ultimately. Yeah. And so Lee is just determined that she's going to make this lie for them. And if it means killing to do it, then by God, she's going to kill because love <laughs> springs eternal and, and they are going to make their way to the keys uh, on the back of these murders and all the money that they're garnering from it. Sure. And Makes then, sense to me. yeah. <laughs> and then dumbass Selby takes off in one of the uh, cars that Lee has brought home. And um, Lee freaks out about it. And it's like, you can't do that, which is sort of the tipping point in the film where it's like, okay, she knew a lot more than yeah well she knew a fucking lot more <laughs> right and uh there, there's actually a great moment where they're having a big argument where uh she's like you, like charlie's there and accuses her of like you know you know where all this money comes from you know where all this comes from and she's like i don't know what you're talking about like you go to work and Charlie's there and just goes, you know, and it's such a nice delivery of it. I'm mm -hmm, just like mm -hmm. this kind of quiet exasperation of like, let's cut the shit for a second Be and, and talk plainly to one another, uh, which, which she never does. Selby never does. Um, at any rate. So Eileen is under all this pressure and there's kind of a funny moment where she is just sort of, uh, bemoaning the fact that she has to keep killing all these dudes. And yeah. She's just like, oh boy, if I could just go a day, you know, without having to murder somebody along the highway. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the the, the uh, Scott Wilson one is the really sad one where he is, you know, she gives drunkenly is giving him this spiel that she's done before, where she shows a picture of a couple of kids and it's like, this is my kids. And I need Arf, some money. Here's my kid. I I get the next exit. Yeah. Yeah. And but he's just too nice a guy. He's like, I think what you need is some is some food and a good shower. We've got a spare room. I do with my wife. And how about you stay there for tonight and just have a, a good roof over your head? And she's like, just let me out, because she realizes like, oh, he's not a he's not a monster. Yeah. So, he's so some crazy Christian guy who wants to help, you know, do this thing. because Jesus says you got to take care of these people who are under the, you know, down yeah, now. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so she just wants to get out of the car and, and go about her business, her dark business. Mm -hmm. And as she's getting out of the car, uh, her gun falls into the seat and he sees that. And then she, she's like, Oh shit. 
I can't let him live now. So she makes him drive out into the middle of nowhere and get out of the car. And he's just like, oh, please don't. My wife and my kids, my grandkids, you don't have to do this. You, My wallet's in the seat. You can take the car. And uh, she is clearly – she. this is the one that breaks her, right? Like she doesn't want to kill this guy. But yeah. in, her, in her mind, she can't let him live because – he can identify her Mm -hmm. so as being a person in florida with a gun (laughs) well there you go um yeah i mean what what would he say like oh i picked up uh, this woman who was really skittish demanded to be pulled over and then a gun fell out and and then she got and how many times could that happen in florida a shit ton actually Right, right. I mean, and she was drunk. Oh, that could happen a shit ton. And as it turns out, if that, if, if, well, you know, in the film, if she had let him go, it wouldn't have changed any of the evidence. That was not. No, she's done these other things already. Yeah. So, anyway, so she takes him out in the middle of nowhere and ends up killing him, uh, which is this really sad moment where he's just, you know, again, in the middle of him saying, oh, no, oh, no, please don't do this. She, yeah. Pops him in the back of the head and screams, and uh, yeah. and and goes home and is uh, get, gets awfully drunk. Um, yeah. And then... Well, it's like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. He he was he had to get so drunk any to do any of this these gruesome things that he wanted to do. Yeah, I I think ultimately Dahmer is strangely more sympathetic. Uh, well, I know we we had that discussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I yes, I agree that there is that element, and in in a many ways, I think that they both come from the same place of they both just wanted to be loved. Oh and, yes, absolutely. But their brains were all fucked up, and they were horrible, awful human beings. I don't want to mistake that at all. But precisely, uh, precisely. Um, but yeah, so. Um, then there, uh, the, the big undoing in the film is that, uh, they're driving around, uh, together and it's, uh, Selby driving and she ends up going off a road and taking out part of a fence and, uh, like a small crowd gathers around cause you know, it's a car accident. It happens in the middle of somebody's yard in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and everybody Anything comes out. happens in a, a, strange car pulls into your driveway out in the middle of nowhere everybody's got to gather that's just how it works right yeah <laughs> doesn't matter what happened who would is that... the interloper <laughs> would that area oh, be considered a holler or is sorry, that a separate would that area be considered a holler or is that in the more wooded <laughs> areas of say west virginia and such it it doesn't have to be that wooded i live in a subdivision no. that is kind of off the beaten path yeah somebody turns down the road you can see blinds peeling apart where people are like who the fuck is that yeah exactly uh, but there i guarantee you somebody is making meth in my neighborhood i don't know where <laughs> i got no proof of it somebody is uh anyway so and it's yeah, not you no it's not me yet uh <laughs> or that like, we know of <laughs> right this is Gotta all the take them out first uh, well, you know, if I if I quit my day job, you'll know why. 
Um, <laughs> Did, I've got I, the, got if you cut this out, center in Ashland City. <laughs> if you edit this out, nobody's gonna know why I randomly Photoshop Bo into Breaking Bad scenes now. <laughs> What's my name? <laughs> I am the one who knocks. Man, if that wasn't one of the most awesome things that ever happened when that line came out of his mouth, <laughs> I, I I think I I probably swooned. <laughs> who who is it you think you're talking to right now? Oh, it's so good. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of so good, yeah. <laughs> uh, so after crashing their car in the middle of this dude's yard what has chickens in it and whatnot to let you know it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it doesn't have to be in the middle of where, nowhere to have chickens. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I saw, uh, again, on my detour to work, a relatively main thoroughfare and just a yard. Somebody's yard had just some free-range chickens. I was like, son of a bitch, that's my neighbors civilization. In, my neighbors in Brooklyn had chickens for a while. It was a rooster. Ah, fucking hipsters. No, it wasn't hipsters. <laughs> oh, were they into like uh, hoodoo? <laughs> no, I don't. I think it might have been. I'm one thinking it might have been cockfighting. <laughs> oh wow! I don't know, or they were breeding it. I don't know, but it was it would uh, crow uh, or whatever at, at totally the wrong times, never at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wacky Brooklyn chicken. Y- yep, Brooklyn rooster. Yeah, and. And Zora would go over to the window and look every time that would happen. Like one day I will figure out how to get out of here and I will make you my bitch. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> one of these days. Yeah. I'm plotting your demise. You damn rooster. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to kill you and drag you to my owner as a trophy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A rooster grows in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Anywho. Roosters fall apart. <laughs> we have really derailed things yet again. Yeah, That's sorry. Okay. That's what we do around here. So uh, after after this accident and uh, 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 I, what they discover, um, like the police are called then and they start to... St- tie together all the murdered bodies that they're mm-hmm, finding mm-hmm. in abandoned cars. Yeah. And I didn't track... know people were still stupid enough to pick up hitchhikers. I didn't put it together. <laughs> I know. And yeah, so they're they're closing in and um that's the point where uh basically Lee has to send um Selby away because at a, at a at one point a sketch is released that right. is a pretty good likeness of both of them, and mm-hmm. once Selby tells her that, um, you know, initially Lee is like, "Then let's go. We're just gonna take off." And she's like, "Lee, we can't do that. Like, there's our pictures out there now. Our people yeah. people are looking for us." Yeah. And so she Lee decides pretty quickly what to do which is i'm gonna put selby on a bus and send her away and if they catch me then i'm gonna make it clear that she had nothing to do with this yep 
and the the scene where she puts Selby on the bus is heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, where the conversation kind there there's one a little bit later, but this is the beginning of a conversation about what Lee will be willing to do to keep her safe. Yeah. And uh, so sure enough, the you know the scene that you hear. Uh, happens in in pretty short order after uh, Leah sent away. She goes back to her life, uh, going between rest stops, and um, there's there's this really sad scene that I, I want to bring up, like when she's on her murder spree. Like the one dude that that she spares is uh, uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince, mm-hmm. um, who is this kind of sad sack where. You, like this is where she's you can really tell she's just itching to kill somebody because she's like look at you. I, you I bet you like to take girls out here in the middle of nowhere you like to like to be rough with them in the back seat is that what you like is that i bet that's what you really like you want to you want to beat me up a little bit you want to push me around and then it turns out he's just this dude who has never had sex before he's got this incredible uh incredibly the painful stutter and uh, you know you just get the whole story of this guy's life of just a total introvert and you know this is he finally worked up the nerve to do this because he just wanted to have sex with somebody to have somebody touch him for god's sake and uh and she just (laughs) jerks him off and is like okay i'm gonna take some money out of your wallet and then go about my business and it's so sad it's yeah, but she has this total moment of, I can't, I, she knows I can't kill you. I just can't. Sure, yeah, he's I a can't. total innocent. Yeah, yeah, she exactly. He is a complete innocent, and it's not that later on, you know, here's the Scott Wilson character. Here he wasn't endangering her, but she was pushed so far at that point. Right, and and also there was no reason for Pruitt Taylor Vin- like I I believe that if he had seen the gun she would have killed right. him. Right, of course. You know it is because no, of she course. can justify it all she wants. That killing was just so she wouldn't get caught. You know right. that's whatever morality you want to pin to that is bullshit. It's that is a a narcissistic act of I'm mm-hmm. going to take a life so mine doesn't get fucked up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, but yeah, she ends up getting, um, taken to the, the, uh, taken away at the bar in the, in the scene that you heard earlier. And then we have sort of the, the wrap up of the film is the phone call between her and Selby Mm -hmm. where, uh, Lee is in jail and it's before they've charged her with any of the murders. She's like, no, 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 this is a you know, some forgery rap, it's fine. Like I'm going to get out of here. And, and this is both accurate in real life, as well as the film where the Selby character, the, or, or uh, Tyria mm-hmm. uh, has this over in real life. It was a, over the course of three days, these conversations that they were having um, where, Tyria was saying like, Hey, they're closing in on me. They're talking to my parents. They're, Mm -hmm. they're coming after me and I don't want to, I don't want to 
take the blame for something you did. Yeah. And ultimately Lee says, you don't have to worry about anything. I'll let them know. Like I'll tell them what happened and I'll make sure that they understand that you didn't know anything about this. And, and this is one of the breaking points between, you know, reality and the film, Mm -hmm. or at least there's more of a question in reality. Whereas in this film, it is so clear that Lee is doing this to protect uh, Selby. But Selby does know a fair amount because she brings up the money that mm-hmm. she sent sent away with Selby. And Selby's yeah. like, what money? And as soon as she says that, Lee knows that the cops are there, uh-huh. that they're listening in, and that this is a this is Selby asking her to confess. Yes. And she absolutely knows what it is. Yes. They, they, that is the unspoken agreement they are making there, which is I'm, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to walk away and you're going to give my life for that. And if you listen to the real like tape between like Aileen and Tyria, it is heart-wrenching. You hear that moment. And you can tell that Lee realizes and is like, fuck. Oh, God, no. Like, it just crushes her. You can just tell. Sure. It's just, yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. You're still an awful person. But, God, yeah. I mean, Tyria, I'm sorry. I I will, okay. I, I, I think that she knew... Some people say she was more naive than what they show in this movie, Monster. But I'm sorry, I think that she knew more than she let on. And she said a lot to try to cover her ass. And she was, well, the big problem with this case that they don't touch on in this movie but that we can talk about separately is um, like here. She thought she was going to get some sort of like book or movie deal out of it. Yeah. yeah right. You right. know, she, she thought she was going to capitalize on this. This yeah. movie monster does not even address all of that kind of thing that went on with this case after the arrest. This movie ends with Lee getting arrested. Essentially, and getting to trial and getting sentenced to death. Like, it doesn't even, you know, I mean, it doesn't go into the nitty gritty of all of, you know, those different convictions and everything and how that all played out. Um, Yeah, I mean, the last shot of this, or the last scene of this film. And so, to end the timeline, the last murder was was November 19th in 1990. And then she was caught in uh 91 january 91 january, right. january 9, 91 and the, her trial started in a nine was in 92 so she had one last whimsical florida christmas <laughs> yeah and, and like declined uh a, a final meal and it well, was yeah absolutely bananas at her execution and well we'll let's take a break 
Well, yes. okay. Let's finish up talking about the movie and then we'll take a break and then we'll get into all of that other stuff. Because what the book gets into that this movie does not is where we go from here. Yeah, right. So the, the movie kind of ends on the note of uh, Selby is testifying against Lee. And the narration is Lee's conversation with Selby on the phone. So it's you know, the, that voiceover and Lee is saying, um, I'll, I'm never going to see you again and I'm never going to talk to you again. And I just want you to know that I love you. And as she is saying that there is this very pointed moment where Selby is testifying. She looks at Lee who gives her a very subtle nod as if to say, go on like this is the deal. And then you know cries and is led away and it's you know it, well, again it's a very romanticized uh view of what happened as i i was kind of joking in the upfront about mm -hmm. you know that, like in reality at this point in the trial she is telling the judge that he hopes him and his kids all get raped yeah you know like she is not the quietly crying type at at, at her and, trial, and that's just it. Is that that's not the alien warnings that you see in this movie? No, no, no. You no. do not see how she deteriorates. Like I mean, like whether it's she was becoming more mentally ill, or you know she was in a situation that she found more traumatic. And so it, it aggravated this, you know, her already unstable mental psyche, <laughs> you know, and her rage issues were just amplified and she ends up sitting on death row for 10 years. Right. None of that is going to help someone with borderline personality disorder and is being untreated. Borderline going untreated. personality and antisocial uh, yes. behavior uh whatever it is the other um it said that they though diagnosed her as that in 92 during her like before her trial so she was diagnosed but it i don't think they were really treating it i really because all of everything and well again we'll get to that but since we're we're continue well let's finish talking about the movie sorry yeah so but that's kind of where the movie ends and i i i think that I think it's a fine film. I think, you know, it's, it's a movie that's sort of made better by the performances in it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for me not to watch it at this point and feel like this is such a, a whitewashing of events Yeah, that it, it doesn't accurately portray what really happened. And that's enough to bother me throughout the film right so I, I don't think it's a bad movie like i enjoyed my time with it which is a weird thing to say about the subject matter but you know what i mean like it's a good movie it's yeah. it's it's problematic because of how fast and loose it plays with the events that's what i've been hearing about green book was that it's a well-made film but the history <laughs> of it's kind of uh problematic <clears throat> sure tie into our last episode i think yeah that's true 
But anyway. Yeah. But for Monster, I mean, it, no, I agree. It is problematic. I still think that there is some merit here. Don't get me wrong. I think that it's interesting to look at... I mean, yes, and when you do see that this is coming from her point of view. The character. You know, of course some of these things are going to seem totally different. And everything. You know, and maybe if they had played it in a, in the more Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of way, of, <laughs> from a different point of view, looking out at her, you know, someone yeah. else, like an narr- outside narrator. Like for the Tom character, for instance. You know, the outsider looking at her and seeing her go through all this shit or something, you know, whatever. That's going to give you a totally different perspective. And you would be a you would see a much less sane, I feel, character. At least I think you would. Yeah, I no, I agree with you. I I, I think that would have been. It, it feels like it would have been nice to be let in on the gag if the gag, in fact, is there. Right. Yeah. You know, because otherwise it feels like if it. If it is Eileen telling us, the viewer, her story from her perspective, then it, as we've been saying, that it makes sense that the events will be the best case scenario to portray her in as good a light as possible. Um, well, I think I think that is what, I mean, the more I think about it is. Right. But because the movie should tell you like it, not it doesn't have know. to be obvious about it. But the right. movie could give you just even that one moment mm-hmm. where you break out of the reality, as you said, so that you see like, oh, there's a more objective view of this where right. she is more of a monster, you know, mm-hmm. um, to me, that's the that's the the frightening thing about this, uh, about her as a uh, not as a character, but just as a, you know, a human being right. is is that she she justified at least to herself her actions in a way that made her think she was doing the world a favor to wantonly murder people for money well and and well and here's something though to put it though also in context is that when this came out this is 2003 okay now I think the first like big thing to come out about her was there was, okay. (laughs) Did you guys ever see, Oh my God. The TV movie overkill starring Gene smart as Aileen. (laughs) I don't think so. No, no, no. Oh my God. Oh, Oh yes. That came out in 1992. So, like, right after the trial, like, this shit was already starting. And then in 93 is when that first Nick Broomfield documentary came out, which is called Alien Warno's The Selling of a Serial Killer. And, right. um... Wait, is I this mean, the I, beginning of the post-break talk? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett, let's take a break and then let's do no, all I, of No, this. no, but I was... No, no, I just... I'm, I'm just saying something real quick in the movie context before okay. but i'm saying look at these other movies that 
came before this. And then the second Nick Broomfield documentary, Alien Life and Death of a Serial Killer, also came out in 2003. Okay? Those things all focused on purely the negativity about her. They didn't really present her as like there you should have any sort of sympathy for her so then this all of a sudden comes along as a way to try to balance that i guess i don't know i think i feel like that's i mean after watching like i said the kind of extras whatever interviews making the and what pat hearing patty jenkins talk about it it does seem that she wanted to make a more sympathetic portrait because she hadn't seen that out there. And that, yes, we still see her doing these things that are terrible, but, you know, so we know she's not a good person, but, you know, they're just highlighting what was actually good there. I mean, or what we should try to feel sorry to, you know, the fact that, oh, yeah, she did have someone that she cared so much about. And that part of why, you know, in in the end, she took, you know, all this rap off of Tyria. Tyria, I'm sorry. Piece of shit to some degree, really. Because she got nothing. She got a, no, not even a slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big that's miscarriage what, I'm of sorry. justice here. That's yeah. one thing that pisses me off. She should have at least gotten a slap on, on the wrist. Yes. She at least knew something. I mean, and was at least in property, like in possession of stolen property. Well, she, they could she, have at least got her, gotten her on that. She did have to move back to Ohio. <laughs> I can say that because I live in Ohio. I know that. Yeah. Well, they found her. In, they found her in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, I've probably been to. Is Scranton anything like York, Pennsylvania? Or I don't know. I've been to Scranton though, and. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the anyway, movie. Anyway, I. So th- what I was just saying is that I think maybe seeing the fact of what had come before this, as far as film pres- you know, representations of her. Th- it was you had a director who felt that a more sympathetic portrait should be there. This was my introduction yeah. to Alien Warnos. Everything else had, I guess, an easier to cope with trajectory of, oh, oh, really? You know, as you got deeper into it rather than seeing the underside of the rock and then seeing the sunny side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I I understand that argument of like, well, let, let's let's look at this from a different point of view so that we're not just demonizing uh, Eileen Warnos uh, as a person. Right. But also, I mean, the facts of the case are pretty damning, you know, like it's not just that you're you're presenting her in a more sympathetic light. You're, right. You are changing the facts of the case to suit that narrative. And that's the point where I, I start to bristle a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I wish that it. I'm fine with you creating a sim like an atmosphere of sympathy, but I think it just sugarcoats things too much. And there are some things, some of the you know those horrible details and realities that need need to be there in this story to represent the full presentation of in portrait of this individual you know she was a three-dimensional individual right not not purely a monster but yeah i mean but i mean just mentally ill absolutely but also a fucking monster <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. sorry it like and they do, but again, they don't even delve into her mental illness in this movie. They just, you know, treat it as, oh, she has some rage issues. I, I, you know. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, she pops off at, you know, the manager at some chain <laughs> restaurant or whatever. There was or a cockroach. At, at a lot of different people that, you know, it's a regular thing. And she talks, you know, refers to the fact that she was sexually molested as a child, but, and that she, you know, started having sex at a younger age, but it, it still even sugarcoats how awful her real life was. Right. Yeah. Like she is more sympathetic if you know how terrible yeah. her parent, her parentage was just her family. Like you're just yeah. kind of like, fuck, like you're right. That's what, that's what gets me is that I really wish it's not that I dislike this movie. I just wish there were more of the reality in there because I think that could have created a more three-dimensional character. Well, the actors yeah. had the range to probably portray that, too. It wasn't like... No, not probably absolutely could portray it. Yeah. 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 And it's not that I think this is terrible, but it's just, it doesn't leave me a hundred percent satisfied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. A hundred percent. Like the performances it's. I, are amazing. The performances are amazing. You know, I have to say that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no argument here. I, that, like I said, that bus scene, I, I got, I got a little choked up. Watching that scene, as uh, I am not not ashamed to say that a good performance will will move me. Yeah, yeah. So recommending this, yay or nay? It's a good movie. I I wouldn't recommend yeah. this being. This shouldn't represent all of your knowledge about the story. Right. But yeah, it's a good movie that gets you you know like i said it got it got me started and then i did some of my own looking into mm -hmm. you know yeah the a to z encyclopedia of serial killers or something like that you know uh which i don't think she's in i, I feel like like we talked about uh earlier she she does stand out she she seemed different than any woman killer i had read about before well, it's not that there haven't been other female serial killers in this country, but she's been, she's the first one 
since the really the term serial killer became uh, part of the zeitgeist, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so she is kind of the first, um, but also because she does stand out in the kind of killings that she did. Yeah. Yeah. She was the most like a man. Like she, she was the most masculine serial killer for a woman in the way that she, she was mm-hmm. kind of preying on men. It was, yeah. you know, it was, it was crimes of opportunity. There was very little planning. It was a lot of impromptu, spontaneous, rage driven kind right. of shit. Right. No. And absolutely. It, there've been other females who've done it too, but it's just, you know, they're not necessarily as well known. So it's just timing. <laughs> <laughs> So we we all would recommend the movie, yeah. But, you know, plus plus but some I reading. Would, or but something. I would say if you really want to know more about the actual case and everything, go further. You know? Yeah, j- just understand that the movie is a movie, yeah. and right, and that it it does not necessarily represent the the true facts of the case. Uh, but <laughs> if, if you're looking for uh, a good time. At the cinema, I mean, it's a little heavy, but also it's you know, it, it's good. It's it's certainly worth a worth a look. Yeah, and yeah. And, and if you're unconvinced that Charlize Theron is uh, a good actress, and like Fury Road didn't knock your socks off, which good lord, what were you watching? <laughs> right, what's uh, wrong with you? <laughs> right, but if if though if that didn't convince you, and you haven't seen this, uh, this is definitely a movie that will you know, make you pay attention to her as a legitimately great actress. Right. Cool. Cool. Okay. I think that means we will take a break and then come back and then uh, talk about the book and whatever else craziness that we have to speak about. (laughs) Be back. Fave. Ray, <coughs> Janet Lee, Adrian King, Heather Langenkamp, Amy Steele, that weatherman who saw the cockroach, Jamie Lee Curtis, and you, come on. You know you wanna. Let her rip. There. Now don't you feel better. You are now officially a Scream Queen. Come play with the rest of us at www.screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. Or you could subscribe to us on iTunes. Either way. It's going to be fucking fabulous. The Scream Queen's Horror Podcast. It's where horror gets bent. Right. And, but to this day, every now and again, you'll hear Geraldo say something where you're like, yeah, that's right. That seems... You seem like a reasonable person. And then two sentences later. Yeah, I know. Terrible.
Do you, have you ever seen his documentaries at the Willowbrook Institution on Staten Island? Oh, right. Yeah, those were groundbreaking. Oh, my God. It was amazing journalism, actually. Yeah. I, I, seriously, like, very impressive. I mean, and just, I mean, heartbreaking it, and terrifying. Like, that's the stuff of legit nightmares. Um, and with good reason, because that is unfortunately reality sometimes. Um, yeah. And an unfortunate and horrifying reality, I think we're back to talking about Eileen Warnos. Yay! Yeah, and yeah, now Geraldo Rivera is quite terrifying. Even when he was good, like years ago. Yeah, it's been a long time since that era. That <laughs> <laughs> ship sailed. Yeah, it, it has credibility has has kind of passed Geraldo by at this point sadly uh, yeah which is a shame which is a real shame but uh uh yeah so I, this is where we get to kick back and let uh Vanessa just drop eggs of knowledge on us <laughs> yeah. well, I got my I don't feet know. up now yeah I like I mean absolutely the book you know, we we were kind of weaving this through the discussion of the yeah. movie, but you know, the the book obviously portrays uh, the the follow up to the events of the film, where you know now Eileen Warnos is convicted of murder, she is sentenced to death, and now she has what about a decade on death row, right? Where she is just getting batshit. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that you can be a completely mentally stable person. And then once you are incarcerated, you can lose your mental capacities and lose your sanity. Like, that is part of why solitary confinement was designed to be. Like, it, it was designed to make you like partly lose your mind like, okay <laughs> like the, the i mean it's it's a a fact and that's why it was instituted as punishment for people but it was not meant to be used <laughs> like it's been used i mean that's one thing it's also fucked up that no i'm sorry that's it you know you know cruel and unusual punishment again i'm I'm getting off my soapbox. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay down. I'm trying, but turn those soapboxes into moon shoes and jump <sighs> those eggs of knowledge upon us. I guess, mm -hmm. but it's just. <sighs> I don't know. Say it. it. It just. This is. This is a complicated case because you're. You have a death penalty state, and. That added a whole other set of legalities to this, um, like as far as the appeals process and everything. And and Aileen Warnes, she did not want the appeals. She was want she was begging to be electrocuted. And so finally, Jeb Bush did her a favor. Well, but no, basically they and they were putting it off. They kept putting it off and and everything. And there was actually a while where they were having, and in Florida, 
was notorious for the high number of executions that they had in a year at this time. Like, I think this was during, this was 2002 when she was elected, when she was killed finally. But when she was um, convicted in 92, it, it was part of that that wave of people being sentenced to these like death penalty cases were it was like you would get so many things piled up so that there was no way you could get any sort of appeal like it, it I mean they were really just stack everything against you and then they were actually carrying out executions so often and I forget the actual numbers at this time but the electric chair in in Florida is called Old Sparky and that's been its nickname for decades I think they were calling it back in the days of um, like the 70s and and everything when Ted Bundy was caught in Florida it was in when he was executed in the 80s too yeah it was always Sparky Old Sparky, and and people, it's like it's a very big like the death penalty is very big down there, still is, but they don't carry out executions like they used to. Interestingly enough, um, they still have a fair amount, but when they put her on death row, she was the first female. I think that had been on death row. Was it ever, maybe? Or at least, I mean, it's been like an outrageously long time, at least. I, I'm sorry, I don't have a statistic off. Yeah, I, I remember this from, but, from the book. It seems like there there had been, but there had the, been one, like, I think there was one other. Before, right. There was but, one kind of close to her. There was one since the death penalty, because in the history of the United States, the death penalty was abolished in 1972, which is why you see people like um, Charles Manson and, you know, those people with the Tate LaBianca murders who were sentenced to death. Their sentences, their um, death penalty sentences were commuted to life at that time. And that was happening across the country. Well, in, in 1976, the death penalty comes back. So since the death penalty come back, had come back, Lee uh, Eileen Warnos had, was the first female um, convicted and sentenced to death, and I think actually executed. Even though it ended, but she had wanted to be electrocuted, but by the time 2002 came around and the actual uh, execution took place, they had been having a lot of problems with the electric chair. And they'd been getting a lot of pushback from different um, different human rights groups. And so that's when they moved to lethal injection. And that was before they started having problems with lethal injection. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's not cruel and unusual, but yeah. Any, and they, that's also when the drugs, those drugs were still really cheap and easy to find like now you're not <laughs> like you can't get them that's part of why you've seen the death penalty like case like actual executions go like the number go down is because of that cocktail is not um easily legal or affordable like 
And a lot of countries that manufacture it will not sell it to us because they know we're going to use it for that. You know, <laughs> because they don't have the death penalty there and they're against it. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. But so she was happy. I mean, she had been but the appeals process for death penalty cases is just can be outrageous. I mean, truthfully, and that is part of why, why actually, okay, I'm sorry. I'm standing on my soapbox one last time. That is one reason why I am against the death penalty. It costs the taxpayers so much more money in the appeals process and to handle all of that and all the facilities and everything that people like who are on death row and who are being put through the appeals process like it's been it wastes so much more money than just keeping someone alive i know that sounds counterintuitive but it ends up it's partly legal fees yeah when i was um you know i was coming of news watching age you know the late 80s early 90s and yeah i feel like there were a whole lot of executions back then but you know when when you're first learning about it you know i was you know like 9 10 12 something like that i had heard that that it cost more money to execute someone than it did to keep them alive but i I, this isn't really a joke. I think I honestly thought that they used so much electricity mm-hmm. that the the cost of the electricity to kill someone was so expensive. It was like leaving all the lights on forever for the weekend or, you well, know, no, something no, very that... childish like that. Not the the appeals, the... Yeah. You, but you're that actually... That is, yes the electricity is a, is a part of the expense if you're talking about you know executing someone that way yeah it it, it goes into it but the appeals process is 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 the most like expensive part of the whole thing and it's crazy it's crazy to me like why are we wasting time doing that <laughs> like how is that helping anybody <laughs> i can't has anyone ever requested to be like fed Any- to the alligators or something like that? Do you think? Oh, well, it's got to be humane. That's the thing mm. is that you know the the state wants to kill you in a, a way that the state has deemed civilized. Right. Well, like Utah, I think I think it's Utah still has on the books that they're not actively doing it, doing it, but they've been considering going back to it. Because of how the lethal injection drugs, um, you know, the that whole expense and legality and controversy around that, they are considering going back to using a firing squad. It's still on the books and legal. Is and- that is that going to be more humane and less cruel and unusual? I. I, I don't know. I mean, that's why they said the guillotine at one point was the ideal execution method because it was supposed to be, you know, it was not supposed to be cruel and unusual. Was it? Maybe not, but, you know, it's, that was the argument at the time. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, sorry, I didn't mean to. 
derail the <clears throat> specific I mean, conversation. I mean, this is kind of just general stuff we're talking about. <laughs> we're not really talking about uh, Lee Warnos, but <laughs> it, 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 she had this whole relationship, though, about sometimes she just was like, I want to just die already. I, you know, she was welcoming of it. And then other times she was almost like, no, I don't want to. Well, yeah, I mean, that was her whole thing. She was constantly wavering between that, w whether she was religious or not, whether she yeah. was the victim or not. I mean, it, that the problem was that she was both a liar, which is never great, but right. also psychotic, you know, so she couldn't be trusted and her moods were swinging wildly mm -hmm. all the time. So, yeah, I mean... Good Lord, how do you how do you extract the truth out of that? Right, right. I I don't know. So yeah, I mean that's why there there's a lot of it that no one's ever going to know. But I you know at least the book monster I think does a reasonable job of of connecting some dots, and and I think the sympathy that the book has for her is. This is someone that the system failed over and over and over again. Right. right. And, and, and that we are as much to blame for the existence of Eileen Warnos as Eileen as Warnos herself. And it, 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 I think it, you know, properly points out that balance of, yes, it's the system to blame, her environment that she grew up to blame you know, that kind of thing. But yes, she is also very much to blame because it does even say there are other, you know, look at these other, you know, people that have this kind of condition. Do they necessarily go out and, you know, shoot up however, and rob however many people? No, they don't. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know? that that's the constant argument of, of, well, you know, lots of people grew up hard. And what makes this person lose their shit in a way that becomes a problem for society, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I honestly think that the, the heart of it is there, there was something that happened with the first murder. And then once she got a taste for it, it was all over. You know, that once she realized that killing someone did not make her feel I don't know guilty or that that she could live with it and and that made it easier to kill the others yeah and and so you know that's the as I was saying you know the the transition from the Mallory murder to the second murder that's where I lose all sympathy is you know the the one I'll grant you because of the the world you're in. The second one feels like you were you were just wanting to. I'm really enjoying you. <laughs> Whenever we get you folks together, I almost said you guys, and I'm working on not saying that. So usually, um, I don't mind. Okay. <laughs> oh, not me. Okay. <clears throat> um. Zora does mind though. Um, sure. Well, I haven't heard them talk since we started, so I I apologize, Zora. For you haven't. 
Uh, not, 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 at, not at the moment, but <laughs> was earlier. <laughs> Sorry, Zora. <laughs> you, you all, we always have to get the pet's approval. That's right. Well, what, what were they chiming in on about earlier? Oh, the cat, the Mrs. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and something else, but the Captain Marvel was like the all of a sudden the point of oh wait a minute hold on. <laughs> Yeah. 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 They they definitely did not appreciate that until I brought up, of course, the uh, the good cat, and uh, right. and that seemed to seems to have turned it around. Of course. Of course. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So monster. <laughs> yes. The the book, which it it gives Warnos the lead um like name credit on it. Even though really it's just it's excerpts from her confessions and interviews that she did with Nick Broomfield, which I find interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I, like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of feel that that's a little lazy. It, yeah, but, it's a bit of a cheat. But I, I'm also like, I'm really curious about the Broomfield documentaries because I haven't have seen, you seen those. That? I was good. I have okay. not. Okay. I was going to ask if any of either of you have seen those. No. So what anybody, what the... anybody? Nope. You, you, what is wrong with you guys? Oh my. I, look, I'm, I'm sorry. She makes, what is wrong, she, or better yet, what's yeah. wrong with me? <laughs> she makes me sad to learn about her life. So like, I, like, I didn't dwell too yeah, long. That's when you're like yet another weird thing I have learned about Vanessa. No, it's not weird. Yeah. It maybe doesn't really, make I'm... as much sense as your thing about nuns, but uh, I I still get it. I still understand. But I, no, I think you're right though, Darren, because she really is one of one of those stories uh, in in the world of you know true crime or murder or whatever that is such a bummer. Everything about it just is. Like, like I was saying earlier, it just feels so seedy and gross. And well, I'll tell you what I find. What I I genuinely like the Nick Broomfield documentaries, but I also recognize that Nick Broomfield can be provide. He, he can be a little provocative at times. You know, and for better or worse. What, like and, true crime, uh, Michael Moore, or what? What do you mean provocative? Well, I mean, I feel like he just tries to push buttons sometimes that I don't know if, I don't know how much he's pushing or manipulating. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, how, how much of this question. is scripted? Well, not necessarily how much of it is scripted, but how much of it is you pushing and trying to manipulate this rather than you like more like you being an ass rather than you being like an investigative curious journalist. I <laughs> think you do it like have like, you crossed a line? Like a folklorist versus a documentarian. There's still yeah, removal, yeah. but some are very strict about 
you know, I can't save the drowning baby. <laughs> well, it, and I mean, and it, I mean, he gets himself and you see it, too, in, in, in other documentaries of his, too. So that's why I say it. Hmm. But. Is that I mean, I know there, there other people have said that, you know, sometimes they see that maybe he can manipulate more, which you can say that maybe about any documentarian that they're going to have their own slant, even as objective as they try to be. Uh, you know, even Ken Burns has his own slant. Okay. <laughs> Not Ken Burns. No. <laughs> <laughs> the national parks have been tarnished. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Anyway, I, uh, all what the I'm sacred saying, cows go down tonight. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying, I like Nick Broomfield, though, overall, <laughs> despite what I'm saying. Um, and I like the first one more because the second one, I almost feel like, why are you, you, why are you doing this now? It's almost exploitive. But the first one, the 93 one, which was the whatever. Um, Is that the selling one? The selling sorry. of a serial killer? Yeah, the selling of a serial killer. Sorry, I have them right here. I have to double check. Yeah. And it was interviews that he did with her in 92. And, and, and then also with some different people and everything. And the interesting thing that we haven't even touched on is that here okay she in 92 she gets convicted well in all among this this woman this christian woman whatever gets this idea in her head to adopt eileen warnos so she can and like so she can says so she can visit more and like she sees her as a kindred spirit like as part of her family and because she's trying to get right with jesus and all this stuff and it turns into this whole thing of is she trying to make a buck off of warnos or not and then you look at the warn like warnos's lawyer it's it's oh it is so it is a, such a slimy, skeevy case because I'm also, I have to point out that one thing is during the her trial about Richard Mallory, they did not say in court that he had been a convicted sex offender. Do you know what? They didn't say that in court. Right. So she didn't have a chance on that aspect. I mean, take, I'm ta- saying, let's take the other ones totally separate because those trials happen later. But what they, d- I mean, they did on the first case is they started partly tainting it with potential evidence from the other cases and they never presented that one thing into there. So it was like all these things were being mismanaged. Then there was all this police force that was also trying to get book deals and movie deals and Tyria ratting whatever out. And then she was trying to get whatever deals. Like, it's this really crazy thing. And the Broomfield documentary in 93 kind of shows you this circus that's going on. And how fucked up it is that 
here you have this person that has conv- convicted these crimes and has done these horrible things. But yes, she should also be getting some sympathy because she's had this fucked up, you know, life uh, from childhood and, you know, predisposed, whatever. But it's it also is kind of like saying, yeah, you never are even giving her the chance to get properly defended. You're not getting her a chance to get like mental health care now. Like you're not you're not getting a chance to try to even help this woman. No, you just you know, or this killer. Sure, you've I mean she's a killer, but you know they're just you're throwing. It's someone you throw away. It's someone you throw away. Yeah, and I, you know, I wrestled with it. I think everyone does to to some extent. You know, the concept of of the death penalty because right. the problem is, if you ever get one wrong, then you got to throw the whole thing out. Yep. Um, or from my point of view, and, and there's but, been evidence. So. Right, right. So in in, I don't think in the grand history of you know the state putting people to death that right. we've gotten it right every time and therefore that fundamentally that's why i don't agree with it i'm a statistics numbers yeah. person and the minute you kill an innocent person then hey the, we're we're doing this wrong so no no and no, and for me that i mean that is truthfully the ultimate you know that is the ultimate thing but i know i i'm the one that I tried. I, I that is a big issue that I've done a lot of activism around is sure, against but, the death penalty. So that's why I was trying not to go down <laughs> a rabbit hole that I could totally go on. Right, but but to sound like the real asshole here, go when ahead. you hear about somebody like Eileen Wuornos, mm-hmm. who, like I said, I I have a a mountain of empathy for the way that she came up. However. The first time she takes someone's life, it w- without it being justified at least to some extent, yeah. Then at that point, you know, I'm n- I'm not saying she's disposable. I'm just saying that's what makes me wrestle. Like when she becomes yeah. such, uh, you know, the titular monster mm-hmm. that she is killing innocent men. In some cases, who are not you know like even in real life there is evidence to suggest that some of the men who picked her up were not interested in sex right they just ended up getting killed because they happened to pick her up they're the wrong place the wrong time yes exactly and and that's the kind of stuff where you're like yeah you you have forfeit your life at that point like you you have wantonly murdered it, it, you know snuffed out a life and you know the older i get the more the concept of murder becomes mm-hmm. like a nightmarish concept of how do you steal away the one thing someone has, which is their, their time. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I do waver on that. I mean, I don't, I, I still don't believe that Eileen Warnos should have gotten the death penalty just because I don't necessarily agree with the death penalty. However, mm-hmm. if ever there was a candidate, yeah, you know, like, there is no question that by the time she was put to death, uh, that I don't know that there was any redemption for her. I don't think there was a path back to even something like real sanity, Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, which is a shame. You know, there's a, a certainly a failure of society, uh, in, in an element of that in this. There is no doubt about that. But also, I mean, she was a real piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, um, and and not because of what she did or the circumstances she came from, strictly because of what she did. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm not arguing with you on that. She's... No, she's reprehensible in that in that yeah. way. Yeah, and I and I think that regardless of what the true relationship between her and Tyria was, or Tyria, I'm sorry, um, that I, I you got to think that she was just as manipulative as as you can imagine like i i don't know that tyria was as innocent as as she comes off in, in, even in the book um but i do firmly believe i that... think she put on a certain amount of a show for the cops absolutely i i, think I she... really think the cops were really stupid in the way that because she was just like oh then you know no well, and I think that was the deal that they made with her is you're going to tell us everything we want to know. But mm-hmm. just like just like Eileen was doing, yeah. she was she was presenting the information to paint her in the best possible light. Right. And you know, I mean, she's not I, I don't know that that makes her a villain in this story, but I, I do believe that it is a combination of her probably not wanting to know and also, how do you believe anything Eileen says? And also, uh, you know, Eileen manipulating her in a way that, you know, it kept her in the dark about some of the details of it for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think she was a, a, a complete co-conspirator, but. No, I don't either. I don't either. But I also, yeah, I don't think she was like. Definitely not as innocent as she, uh, she wanted everybody to believe she was. Um, but have you any re- have you read any other books on her? Nope. Uh, yeah, no, I I haven't. Um, mine's mostly like you know there are a handful of those uh, uh, serial killer specials. Uh, yeah. Not the Broomfield Docs, but you know mm-hmm. like not necessarily a deadly women, but one of those like inside the mind of a serial killer shit like that. Yeah. And I've seen a bunch of those about her. Um, she's fascinating, but also, um, <laughs> like, like we've been saying all along, just a real bummer. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, no, I had first, I'd read the 2002 book called lethal intent. And I, I thought about doing that for this show, but that's uh, a little longer than I thought we would want to do. And the one that I really, really enjoyed, it, that's that's just a horrible way to say it, but I thought it was really, really good, but it, again, too long, and it's a slog to get through, but it's interesting as hell, is Dear Dawn, Eileen Warnos in her own words, and it's a collection of letters between oh, written while she was in prison, like that 10-year time period, 
between Warnos and her childhood friend Don Botkins. And they are the they wrote letters almost daily. And some of them are some of it's so fascinating. And then other times you were you're just like, oh my god, that's so just what the fuck? Like what you you did not know what was going on, like what kind of person you were going to be getting in that letter or whatever that day. It's just very fascinating. It's <laughs> intensely fascinating. But um, of course, some of it is where. Lee's trying to say, no, this is I, what really happened, or that's what really happened. Like, some of, of course, what she's writing is stuff like that. And she's going back and forth on the story. But then she's also writing some of these just wonderful things, like different childhood memories she has of, like, the two of them together. And, like, you see these small glimpses of joy that she that did exist at some point in her life. But they were such fleeting moments. Because even as a child, she still, you know, go. she might have fun with friends doing whatever. Then she went home to her abusive grandparents, slash parents, whatever. I, I, You know, it's just... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a very fascinating look. At, at, like I said, I mean... To me, why she's a little bit more interesting than some others is that, and not just because she's female, but because she's a little bit more three-dimensional uh, on on some th- some of her or some of her story, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's clearly a there is a path uh, to her being a fascinating redemption story in another world. Right, 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 right. Of course. And and instead it went the other more horrible way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But so so who who what killer do we do next? Who's got a movie? Um, well, we mm-hmm. we tried to find something to go with Summer of Sam. Summer of Sam. Yeah. I got to find a book for that. Maybe that's next year. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fascinating one. Uh, so, uh, Son of Sam is, is is a great great story. Um, I you know uh, I haven't seen the film, but there was one they did not long ago about the uh, uh, the the snipers. Uh, the the yeah, the DC, DC snipers. snipers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen that film yet, but I heard it was okay. Hmm. That could okay. be interesting. Uh-huh. Also, uh, if, if memory serves, a, a very fascinating story. Of, like, the older and younger and that kind yeah, of mentor relationship. That, that is actually a very interesting case, too. Um, yeah, that's a very fascinating case. Because there's, yeah, that relationship. Anytime I think you have a pair of killers, it can add a whole other dimension. Right. Uh, like the Hillside Stranglers and, you know, that whole, uh, um, that scenario. Like, mm-hmm. of two people who 
maybe independently never would have done this. Right. But you exactly. put them together and it's like, oh, somebody's going to die. Yeah. Things are not going to end well. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then uh, sometimes you just have one person like Alien Warnos and it's just, that's, yeah, that's dynamite waiting to explode any second. Right, yeah. No, she was primed. It, I mean, if you were going to build a serial killer, I, yeah. I think they pointed out in the book that, like, there is a list of 15 signs of, you know, a certain kind of psychopathy, and she had 11 of the 15. And, yeah. You know, and that's just an insane... Pretty, it's pretty outrageous. Right. Like, th- there's part of you that is, like, she never stood a chance, and also regardless but still still, she did have some free will here of course there are plenty of people who never who never kill a soul and come come from from horrible backgrounds yes right whatever and yes i know but but you know the pump was primed and and whatever happened with richard mallory there there was something that occurred there that yeah i think that lit the spark yeah and if it had been only that one i could have i honestly i could have said you know what good for you honey (laughs) let's call it a night you go you go home and have a night's rest i mean like (laughs) yeah no i'm not above a you know that's what they deserved uh i try to live my life in a way that that you know propels us toward the Star Trek future that we all uh, hope happens. Right. But every now and again, right, like if some guy trying to take advantage of a sex worker on the side of the road and threatening to murder her gets shot instead of kills her. Her getting raped and killed. Right, then. I I mean, yeah. I I, I ain't nobody against that. No, I'm not. uh, Like, those stories you hear about... I, you know, I, women who who that is their last moment on earth is is being raped and murdered. It's just like that's again one of those death penalty things of like, yeah, you catch somebody who does that, they ought to, they ought to go away. Not, and I don't mean like you put them in a cell. I mean they don't belong on this planet anymore. They have revoked their right. Uh, but also, you get back into the you know the argument against and blah blah blah. But man, it is just. So when when you think of Lee Warnos defending herself against somebody like that, yeah, oh, absolutely, you want that to be the truth. And and, and I can understand. Honestly, I can understand her replaying it, even maybe a second time. Maybe, maybe. But after that, absolutely not. But that second time, even I no. I, if it happened a second time, I'd be like, eh, right? You sure? I. But I, I could. I could. But it still could actually technically happen that you're triggered, you know, and you see that as well. That worked before. I do it now. Like. You just Again. need to be real convincing with the story for right. the second one. Right. Because yes. otherwise. Exactly. Uh... Exactly. 
But other th- after that, other than that, no, no, no. There's no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you just, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything so, that uh, uh, somebody didn't so touch on? So can we on? review the killer now? <laughs> <laughs> on well, a scale of one to ten. What did you think about, I mean, this book is like largely excerpts from her confessions. And like I said, some inter- some of the Nick Broomfield interviews, which is fine. But I don't know. I, You know, I... I uh... It's hard to say that I enjoyed it because, again, the subject matter is just the worst. Right. But it it is fascinating. I do think it it doesn't try to demonize Eileen Warnos, but is also not afraid, you know, to point out like, yeah, in some of these cases, sure, maybe something went down. But I think there are a couple of the uh, the stories uh, for from some of the guys um, that you know ran across her path that are very clearly right. like she just murdered these people. And right. I think I, I I do think that the book does a fairly balanced job of trying to both say she is a, a clearly mentally ill, um, very. <laughs> In a, in a lot of ways, primitive person mm-hmm. because of her experience, but also, you know, as we've been saying, just also she is a nightmare. So, right, you know, what do, what do you do? But it, uh, yes, I, I mean, as far as the book goes, if someone wanted to get a fuller picture of who Eileen Warnos was, and uh, I, I would certainly recommend it. I think I think it does a, a reasonable job of describing the story in a way that, that tries to be fair. Yeah. And I think that it does it. I mean, it could have been longer and gone into things more if it had wanted to, but I feel like it kept it relatively short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It it wasn't an intimidating, you know, uh, trip or investment like like lethal intent is like i said is is a longer book i mean it's maybe a 500 something page book okay the sue russell book this was like half that (laughs) yeah exactly um yeah exactly and so and you don't that's maybe i think i mean that's fine but if you don't want to read uh, you want to know some more about this story and this person, but you don't want to read that much. To tell you the truth, you'd read this book, "The Monster: My uh, True Story." Because truthfully, I mean, I mean, it, the fact that it does quote so much from the actual like confessions and that kind of thing is uh, is interesting. Right. And I, I think some of the confession stuff when, when she's talking about like, you know, what is counsel stuff like that. And you're just like, Oh, uh, you poor thing. Well, yeah. And that's just, it is that it, it, yeah. It's, um, 
And I'm, you know, of course they abbreviated a certain amount of, they didn't put all of her ramblings because sometimes she was prone to ramble. <laughs> right. And, and it would be profane and it would be deliberately provocative and angry and sometimes terrifying. Yes. Yes. I mean, she was a crazy person in incarnate uh, right like she she was just uh, just looked in her eyes yes yeah and uh, like the 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 way that you know people describe the the switch being flipped between her being reasonable and and just a a a nightmare to deal with and uh you know the violence and Right, and, and and it was always like, what is the most profane thing I can say? Yeah, you know, uh, like wh- I, I keep going back to it, but when she told the judge that she had, uh, the judge's like wife and kids got raped, yeah, and she's like, that's that is just terrible. Yeah, you know, like that's where it gets hard to to feel any sympathy at all for. Her. Well, and. She does say it after you're sending a rapist to the to deathbed to the electric chair. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're sending you're say, sending a rape victim to the electric chair. Right. Right. And, and you know, and her story for a long time was like with her her past. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. w- at one time it's the the worst possible childhood, and then. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Everything was fine. So, yeah. again, it's 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 tough to know um, what what is real about the history of Viley Warnos and what what happened with the the men that she killed. But but you even you can see when like even after she said, oh no no no, I I was no my fam my upbringing was fine. Everything was you know good and blah blah blah. blah. Even after she came out and said that and was trying to say what she had said before was a lie about her, you know, upbringing and childhood being horrible, it was proven that, no, actually, it was really fucking bad. Like, the all these different things she was talking about, no, they went back and proved they happened. Right, you there know? were other witnesses to There were other the witnesses yeah. and, and documents and all these different things that could corroborate shit she was had said before to prove that no things were not good in her life and how she was you know treated you know as a child yeah yeah and as a young adult i know and not to bring everybody down but anyway so here here was a a human being that was treated as disposable from birth and until she reached a point where she refused to be disposable. Yeah. Unfortunately, she was also bananas. <laughs> yeah. Dangerously bananas. Right. Dangerously bananas. The Eileen Werner story. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that made with animated monkeys. Yeah. Curious George like, meets Eileen Warnos. Uh-huh. Oh. Animated monkeys. I'm full I'm totally for it. Yeah. Oh, my friend loaned me this yellow hat. Don't worry about it. Oh <laughs> Lord. So oh, anyway. I found this gun. <laughs> on that note, okay. I think um 
Are we saying we recommend the book? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah. Although I will say it's if then if you want to find out a little bit more or whatever, I'd say go ahead and read the Dear Dawn book. Like if you're getting if you're into it. It's interesting. It's very interesting, like glimpse into the whole psyche and just uh yeah, some of these different things. And I would recommend too seeing the, the Nick Broomfield, at least the selling of a serial killer documentary. Yeah. Yeah, I think I may do that. I, I've I, Absolutely. You know, I've been wallowing in war. That one I can't recommend while, so. highly enough, to tell you the truth. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Because the what is crazy and almost as nanners as Eileen herself was the media frenzy around this case. Well, and, sure, there's so much salacious about it. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you know, that's a whole other interesting thing that that you know I'm kind of like, yeah. I mean, we got to look at it. Because what the fuck have we as a country done to people who commit crimes, for one? But, you know, we it's also because the media has become involved in, you know, crime coverage, whatever, then how does that affect people and the actual justice system like are, do people get fair trials and all these different things you know it's yeah yes <laughs> and then how can you get fair trials when you have people ratting you out because they want a movie deal or yeah the cops are working to get you know they're working to get a movie deal like that just how is that legal how is that legal? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I they make it illegal it. for for the I... perpetrator not to make money. But it, yes, the people directly involved with the case should also not be able to profit. I, yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's, you know, and it would be one thing if it's like, okay, 10 years down the road, I'm going to reflect on this. But while some before, it, this case had all the so much of this had already been sold off even before the trial started. So you've tainted the trials. You've tainted evidence and different things. It, you know, it's anyway, it's very fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, it, wait, it, wait. It, the way that's part of why this case is so fascinating to me, actually. Because it's not just Warnos herself. It's ha what happened to, like with the media reaction and what and all of this. It's just a whole other layer layer of a like I said, it's a whole other level of a nanners. Yeah. Yeah. I will uh, I will check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to add, Darren? No, no, I think we we covered it quite thoroughly tonight. Okay. Anywho. Okay. So 
thank you, Bo, for being here. Oh, is yes. There... Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, anytime someone has killed more than two people with uh, some distance uh, in time between, uh, I'll be there. Okay. M much like Henry, Henry Fonda in The Grapes of Wrath. Whenever, whenever someone has been uh, bonked on the head as a child, then potentially molested, then goes on to ride the rails and murder his fellow man, I'll be there. <laughs> yep. Okay. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. But where else can you be found, Bo? Yes. Please. Oh. Bo. Yes, I can be found at legionpodcasts.com where you can hear me on such shows as Pick 6 Movies. Or uh, we're actually about to do another shotcast. We're about to get the video game stuff uh, back on track and uh, and devour the podcast. And uh, what else? I don't know. Probably something else. Hero, Hero, Go Show. Lots of stuff. But Legion Podcast, and not just me, obviously, this fine show is on there as well. And um, uh, we got Metal Health, which is a really interesting blend of uh, heavy metal music and and psychotherapy um and uh geez all kinds of great stuff uh hello this is the doom show i always mention that because i i love the editing of that show so very very much um yeah i think that's enough sure <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot just go to legion podcast find it all yeah something everything. for everybody sure sure and Darren, tell us, tell everybody what we're doing next month. Next month, we are doing a pick, a pick from me, a little bit of a blast from my past. Uh, new stuff for Vanessa, though. We are doing Joyce Carol Oates's 1966 short story, Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? Speaking of uh, serial killers, it is inspired by a Tucson Arizona serial killer and it was turned into a 1985 I think movie called Smooth Talk which we will be pairing with it starring a very young Laura Dern and a slightly older Treat Williams if memory serves yes yep wow yeah I, that I, sounds <laughs> very exciting I read this and saw this movie for the first time in college, and I I am I, not familiar with either. You know, so I'm interested to see what Vanessa takes uh, or comes with fresh eyes to this as some, something that I had assumed that she had seen and read before. I'm not sure why, but okay. <laughs> when you see it maybe you'll see or when you read okay. it maybe you'll know okay um but yeah that is what we are doing next month okie dokie yes and darren has now but he's over a year now so woohoo <laughs> yay we're trucking along <laughs> yeah we've got our uh and our and our second anniversary show yeah. is coming up soon too in, in May, right? Yes, in May. Yes. So, I think that's the Angel Dust anniversary. Isn't it, though? Oh, and Swanish. we did Maximum Overdrive last year. 
Yeah, so we got to we're going to do a commentary again this year. We got to top Maximum Overdrive. Shoosh. And Spawn of Canadian Saint, I don't know if we'll see if we can bring him back on here momentarily. <laughs> momentarily. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. So cool. What else do you have going on, Darren? Please tell us. Oh, let's see. Over Psychosemantic, I am not sure. It's hard to tell what movie is going to feel pertinent at the time, but uh, there's a couple couple of those in the air, and I've had, had some uh, listener requests for my weird side series where I study something and then I get slightly intoxicated and try to explain it in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I had a lot like, uh, our dear friend, the witch said, Hey, could you just talk about impeachment a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that came out day of recording this. So you can find that. That's the thing. And, uh, midnight horror show, which is, uh, <laughs> still back, I guess we're still doing stuff, but, uh, the next episode is a Duncan I think we're doing everybody's origin story or something like that. And it's Duncan's turn next. So Duncan McLeish, dear friend of the show and the network. Mm. I, uh, I have not heard of him. No, he's not many people see him. He's, I think he just makes maps and podcasts and, Mm. and, and cupcakes, many confections. Weird. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 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 Sometimes he goes places. Uh, sometimes he's a detective uh, with a guy called Bo. I think I think we've got a an X Files situation yeah, yeah. going on. Well, well I mean, that, uh, they can neither confirm or deny that, that Mandela effect. Right. I don't know that I'm allowed to say any more about it, but uh, um, I will you say that there there is a midnight run in our future. Ooh, nice. Lots of cool stuff coming up um, in the Legion Podcast Network and near the Legion Podcast Network. Yeah. Adjacent. Uh, adjacent. Yes, exactly. But thank okay. you, Bo, for this marathon recording session. Yes. Oh, thank yeah. You. No, it's always my pleasure. Like I, Again, this is a weird fascination I have and it's always fun to uh, be amongst people that make me feel like I'm not, uh, you know, a, a, a complete weirdo. No. You're not. Well, maybe a little bit, but you're not the only one. <laughs> right. One of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> exactly. Trouble Crimal, one of us. Nice. <laughs> nice. On that note, say goodbye, Darren. Goodbye, Darren. Say goodbye, Bo. Goodbye, Bo. Bye. Blah. I'm Scottish. Quarantine theater. Blah. (laughs) I like murder.
us to get to it. Billy. I gotta finish that song. <laughs> 